Hello, 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 and welcome to your aunties could never. Hi, I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with Auntie Fire, Auntie Nana, Auntie Shade, and Auntie Cindy. Hey, welcome, 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 welcome. How are you doing? And what's been the highlight of your day? It's been knowing that I'm going to spend some time with you guys. Honestly, it's been a really rough day. Like I've been cleaning and moving things about. So actually just to sit here and have some kombucha and chill out with you lovely ladies. This is actually the highlight for real. Yay. Aww. That's nice. so nice. nice. Thank you. That's so sweet. Thank you. Use that back at you. Yeah. Highlights having you on the show. So yes. Don't try because you didn't know what to say. You tried to cheat. I did because I could have thought of one if I had remembered that you throw this in nowadays. But that's a really lovely one. So I'm going to jump on that. Thank you very much. There you cool. go. Auntie Shada, Auntie Nana, what's been the highlight of your day? Ooh, what's been the highlight of my day? Apart from obviously Cindy being on the show, definitely a highlight. I, I don't know. I had a good day. I can't lie. Yeah. The team. Yeah. We're just getting through some stuff. We've got a lot of work to do, but we're delegating and everyone's taking responsibility and things like are going smoothly. And, oh, I do have a highlight. I'll try and do it quickly, but I've been looking into the Mandela effect and we basically done a test today with the team, but who remembers what or who thinks they remember stuff. And that was quite funny and entertaining. Auntie Nano. Highlight of today was... I was watching Stephen Bartlett. I've been binging Stephen Bartlett's Diary of a CEO. And I can't remember this woman's name. It escapes me now. But she has a thing. It's called like the high five and the counting to five method. And yeah, for the first time, I'd, I'd watched her do her TED talk on this and never did it. And today I did it and literally did start laughing and got like a little rush of a high. So that's been the highlight of my day. What? I high five myself in the mirror. So you go to the mirror, you look at yourself properly and you high five yourself and you get like a little adrenaline rush. Okay. Mm, try it out. What's the science try. behind that? That sounds, seems quite... Because a high five is generally, your brain is wired that it's a congratulation. Like generally, if you give okay. somebody a high five or you see a high five, it's always like a praise or in celebration or a well yeah. done. So to do it to yourself, you generally don't really praise yourself. Some people, I don't. So you do that every morning and then you give yourself, you like reset your brain to be like, well done, congratulations, you're a great human. That's okay. the thing. Okay. I like that. I might try it, see what I'll go on. Okay. See how it I have thoughts, but I guess we have to move on. <laughs> we do. No one's surprised. <laughs> all right, all right, Auntie Farah, warm us up, warm us up, kid. Okay, so I'm actually going to try a ting and share my screen. Oh my God. Basically, Tiny. on social media this week, you need to make it bigger though. Going around. So basically, these words is Black British storytelling phrases, okay? Okay. Mm -hmm. And the words are them ones there, red hair tear, sold in, two twos, I clocked on, calm, mind you, and boom. So I thought what we would do is play a game called, oops, yo, whose line is it anyway, though? Okay, <laughs> let's go. This sounds fun. 
Okay. I'm up for this. I like this game. So we're gonna go around the room and you have to say incorporate one of the words into the story. Okay? Okay. So as soon as you've said it, okay. unless it's it don't make it the first thing you say. Yeah. Oh like, say sentence okay. and then say something and then you stop. And then someone else says a sentence and then throws it in there. Okay? All right. And it's go. just one each time, yeah? One each time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Ready? All right. Yeah. Okay. All right. Boom. So I was talking to my man and we decided to go out and it was hell stolen. So we didn't know what to do. So I called up my friend AK and. Oh, it's going backwards though. Oh, <sighs> Call up my friend Nana, Auntie Nana. Go on. Auntie Nana. Jesus. <laughs> Tutus now. Bare hair hailstones just licked me in my head. I almost got knocked out on the floor, but then I just I had my phone in my hand. I'm looking at the phone and I managed to dial somebody's number. Can't you far off? Because <laughs> Nana couldn't remember the alphabet. <laughs> <laughs> so there I was, minding my own business, and I get a call from Auntie Nana. She's all red hair, the hell cells are licking me in my head. I was like, but what do you want me to do about it? So then I thought, why don't you call Auntie Cindy? Yeah, about two twos, yeah. And I just like clocked that this was a madness. So I just said, listen, you lot are all mad. So I'm just going to like call Nana, Auntie Nana, because yeah, she's the right person to chat to. You get me? <sighs> all right, calm. I made sure that everyone like chilled out a little bit. You lot are going on my nerves, going on and on. So I was like, mind you, yeah, what I feel when it comes to you lot calling me and bugging when I'm doing things, I need you lot to leave me the fuck alone. So I just like hung up the phone, went about my business, and then once there, that's where it was. <laughs> I think that was pretty good. I'm not gonna <laughs> But you know what? Everyone was concentrating on what to say next. I was trying to remember who had said, let's get the comments. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hello to everybody. We have across here saying hello, hello. Um, Antoinette, hi. And she also says, big kwasia to my sister, Cindy. Uh, <laughs> hello. Uh, we have Antoinette says, Auntie Shayade, you're looking boom today. Oh, thank and you. Diodate says, so then your auntie's could never is back with another week. Tutus, I like them still. So boom. They talk bare rare tear tear about life. But I clocked on that Auntie Nana is a butting. Boom, who's going to move to that? Mind you, True says she likes Caramel Brothers, so it's calm still. Um, Antoinette says, okay, okay, I feel you flexing in cans. You know them ones there? Yeah. And Auntie Nana, two twos, I need to jump on your website and get a couple of bits. Natalie says, oh, my days, I just clocked on. And Antoinette says, Auntie Farah, great game and there yet tet. Maybe <laughs> yet Anyway, that was very good, Artifar. Yeah. Now it's time for me to welcome somebody to the family. Yes, I was in Cannes for a couple of days, and it was I'm going to say a couple of Cannes. I was in Cannes. It was beautiful, busy, overwhelming, and fun. But I just want to big up. Welcome to the family, 
Fiona Lamte, Mia Farrell, and Danielle Hoff. Three women that I spent my time with out there. Fiona Lamte is a big wig at Netflix. Mia Farrell is a big wig at BFI. And Daniel Hoff is an up-and-coming big wig producer who's doing big things on a rise. And it was just wonderful to be black women in Cannes. Mia Farrell, I have to give all my love to Mia Farrell because she hosted me. I, I crashed with her because Cannes ain't cheap. But it was lovely to stay with her. She was a brilliant veteran of the Cannes Festival. So she took me around and graciously got up at five in the morning when I rocked up from going partying. And Fiona was and Daniel were my codies in going out up and down. So it was just really good. And when you... um do emails and you're doing work and you meet people in that kind of a way it's different when you chill with them out in a space and get to know them differently so the girls really got to know each other in a different way and developing and growing new friendships is always wonderful in life especially with formidable black women so i want to welcome fiona lamte mia farrell and danielle hoff to the family they're a mixture of aunties and cousins i think and sisters maybe all right and now it's time for what oh no hold on pause as you're listening to this show Please don't forget to add your reviews to Apple Podcasts. There's commentary stuff that you can do on Spotify. Wherever you listen to this podcast, please add your comments and get us to the top of the ratings and make us aunties, rich aunties, so we can continue to give you wonderful, rich advice. We also have a Patreon. So obviously sign up there. We have three tiers. Make your choice. And that's www.patreon.com forward slash your aunties could never. Now it's time to get into what have you heard. It's where we discuss the stories. It's got us talking in the news. And when we've got a guest, we tend to mix it up with a bit of popular culture too. So we have a couple of stories to get through. And then we've got, okay, we can just go. Auntie Sade, go your news or culture story. What do you want to go for? Oh, oh they're both good. We'll do both um, of them. We'll get, through. we'll get through. Okay, cool. So my, my news story is... Basically, so guys, remember when a couple of months ago, like when the Ukraine war started, the government thought it would be a good idea if the Ukrainian refugees were to come over and stay with families in the UK, when they should have really just put them up in their own housing, our government's cheap. There was this program and people could choose, I think they could um, near enough choose someone to come and live with them. One woman decided to live with a family and after 10 days she stole the husband basically so this couple's been married for 10 years they have kids and this ukrainian woman comes into their family and literally breaks up their marriage in 10 days and runs off with the husband and the, and the dad basically and well, my question is <laughs> it's a controversial one but should she be deported what do you guys think <laughs> It's bait. It's bait. I think, I personally think that he was already cheating with this woman. If you look at the story and you look further, it's just too bait. It's too suspect. So it's a nice headline and it's great for people that are like, don't want to have Johnny Foreigner in this country. And I know you're not alluding to that today, but I do think that they had a connection already and he just used this as an excuse and that was that. Wait, wait, you think they had a relationship before and then he brought her to the house? He was the one that went out of his way to go and find this woman to say, oh guys, we should do something really noble. I'm not trying to stereotype men, but I just don't feel that it's a dude of his age and everything that's gonna say, oh, let's go out and help some refugees and have them stay with me me and my lovely darling wife. 
that's why I feel it's a bit bait. I just think it's a bit suspect. Oh, wow. Right. I definitely feel the same. But I feel the same to the point where I reckon she wasn't even in Ukraine. Now, I'm not saying she's not from there, but what I am saying is that she wasn't actually there at the time. This is just a real good excuse to get this chick up in your yard and to no. do what you want to do in it. That's what I actually think. There's no way that he left his wife after 10 days. And if he did leave his wife after 10 days, he'd already mentally left her previously. 10 days. You'd have to be some different type of bread to make me leave anyone in 10 days. 10 days. No, come on. She was well, here already. It does say that she traveled from Kyiv to Lviv into Poland then on to Berlin before flying to Manchester to meet Tony after securing her visa at the beginning of May. So I guess for a news article and journalists doing their due diligence and reporting and researching, they'd have to verify that, or they'd say allegedly, and they're not saying that, they're saying that these are the Which facts. Which newspaper is it? It's um, a very reputable paper called The Mirror. <laughs> so technically, they could say what they want, in it Because they've been known to. No, but they actually can't. You lot have opened up a can of worms. My point, my point is, and that makes me think, if I think about it, and this is absolutely true, the other layer of when people are like, when you're applying, say, look, we'll take some refugees, but the status of the refugee has to be a certain criteria. You have to be potentially ugly, and it depends on your level of other women. But it's what I'm saying. What would people would have to do that? Because people, you know, like, she wants to be ugly, maybe have something going on where something that's not going to disrupt your happy home if you're an insecure woman and you're like, this is bait because even in the, if it's, <laughs> the mirror or the metro like what they do in those tabloids there are pictures of this new couple together posing yes. so yes. it's very orchestrated it's not just the the woman the woman scorned talking about it and being upset with a mugshot of her ex it's literally like juxtaposing this new couple so i just feel like it's just not a straightforward but i'm action. just going with the facts that this is what's happened so this is what people might have to start considering when applying to be a helpful benefit like a helpful what's the word not benefactor someone who's supporting these wonderful you know doing this work being part of this worthy cause you've got to consider some things if it's a man you don't want to be getting some hot ukrainian with muscles coming into your yard he might have to be overweight short all the things you think your wife won't be interested in all the things you assume your wife won't be interested in and there's women at home like those rich housewives when you're hiring a maid, you're not hiring some fit young maid. You want to hire a matron-looking woman because you don't want your home to be disturbed because you know what happens when you're out and your husband's saying, oh, she's out. And now look at this sexy young maid that's coming to flitter her fluffer around my balls. Mm. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> now you've got to stop coming up with these one-liners. Oh, oh fluffer around my balls. <laughs> <laughs> That was interesting. I saw, I think you're right. I think that he was probably like chatting to her before. That sounds about right. 10 days, gave it two weeks and then they ran off. But I saw there was a, a woman that did a TikTok, like the superimposed, and yes. she was like commenting on the story. And then the wife came under it and was like, I'm the wife that you're talking about. When he comes knocking, when, he, when she leaves him and he tries to come back to my house, the, the door's going to be closed. So maybe he has form for cheating he definitely like, this is just the biggest humiliation because that post picture that is out of order that like, i would want to kill somebody if i was really like i've been with this man 10 years two kids and then you're gonna leave me for some bird after 10 days you couldn't even just sleep with her just 
having an affair, you had to leave me. That's really deep. No, the, the pictures. Leave and then go to the papers and pose. But they have to fight, they have to get some money because they have to start their new life together. No, they get the £350 a month from the government. It might be tied to the old address, so so, so it might not work out. So they need to get the money. So like in the article, it says that Laura, the the wife, her concerns grew further when Sophia, the temptress, would put on makeup and style her hair and wear low-cut tops around the time Tony turned home from work. And it's just like, what the fuck? So what I'm saying is not wrong. You must vet your immigrants when you're bringing them into your house the refugees you have to have a process have a criteria for the type of refugee you want in your yard if you don't well, want honestly, to- though, if he was married and you had a refugee in your house and you could see that they were physically changing their appearance when your husband came home are you waiting 10 days I'm not waiting 10 days babe you got to die it's not working out it's not working out yeah so but where can you send them to because they they're like you got to look after Let's them. Make sense. Listen to this out, child. It's but not like foster care. care. You don't have to look after them. Of humor, you can drop them anywhere. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 like a cat that you don't want anymore. Fire station, police station. Can we move on to your culture story, Ashley? You guys are bad, bad. <laughs> sorry, sorry. Rolling with the theme of marriage. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> So, who remembers back in the day a young lady who was nicknamed Superhead? Yeah. Um, so she. No. No. Oh, okay. Mm. Hip hop era. Give a little background yes. to Corinne Stephenson. So basically, oh, how do I put this? So Superhead was like maybe like a groupie. Would you say? Yeah, kind of thing. Like the original video. Was one of the top videos. Video vixen. However, she was known for giving very good head to a lot of rappers. She wrote a book and stuff, and kind of done one of the first, I think, exposes on like you know rappers and that sort of thing. Yeah, she was on a podcast recently, and she talked about that while she was married, that she had two boyfriends, one being Bow Wow and one being Little Wayne. And I was just thinking, wow, <laughs> like, how did she let this run? And she was saying that she was making most of the money. So when she would come home, he would run her a bath and ask her if she had fun and all this kind of stuff. So I just wondered, had you seen the clip? What do you think of it? Do you think that this could, this would ever be the norm? That was my question. So she was married. Who was she married to at the time? Oh, you have to ask me real questions. I do. Yeah. <laughs> so she was married and she had two her boyfriends. Husband, her husband isn't famous. He wasn't famous. Okay. So she had a husband and she, was running, and she was running two boyfriends at the same time. And you yeah. want to know if this will be the norm in 2022 and beyond. Could it be the norm? How far away is it? Are we from this reality? I'm there, there two- I think there's a load of I think there's a load of bollocks about this whole polygamy thing that you see like being regularly talked about in many sort of circles online and I think that people like the concept of it but actually when we get down to the brass tacks few have the maturity the sexual maturity to actually be able to share in an effective way so my answer to you is no I don't think so yeah because I just don't think that people we're nowhere near evolved for that. I'm sure that it does work in certain situations. There's always exceptions to the rule, but yeah, no. 
that's just how I feel about it. This feeds into my latest new theory that I have that <laughs> monogamy is a scam and it's a scam so that men have constant partners and so they put they've introduced this kind of way of being where it's like there needs to be a man and a woman in a relationship so that they can always have access to a woman but really I think just bio biologically we should be selecting the men and we should probably have quite a few different men mm -hmm. to select the best sperm produced to produce babies yeah. so I actually think what her setup is probably in a parallel universe where they haven't managed to twang us with the benefits of monogamy this is what goes on and the, i i listen to her like uh, i find her really fascinating as a woman like what she stands for is very different and i wouldn't and she's not a feminist there's a probably another word for her that is very much like female dominance but not at the expense of saying that masculinity is bad or men are bad it's just genetically we have the things to keep on reproducing and we need the best materials from men in order to do that yeah i would hope that maybe probably not in my lifetime but that would be how the world was set up i definitely think it would be great to break down the stereotype or the brainwash that women can't have more than one partner without being considered a superhead or a super hoe or them such and them so such. So I, I like the idea of actually, definitely when the world was created, the way that they blame Eve for biting the apple, we know it wasn't that. They just needed something to find a way to control us. Because when you think about the way men, we've had a couple of conversations about men and their evolution and that when some certain man's king passed away recently, the sensitivities and insecurities of this, what this hole this person has left for them is exposing, and a lot of the vulnerabilities come from the fact that they cannot take the heartbreak of being broken by a woman. They cannot take it. So there's so many oppressive rules in place for women that's really crunched in and bound in our sexual liberation, that it can only be through fear, because that's what they did to black people. They, they put women and black people in a category where we were child, children, with, we were treated like children, treated like idiots, and also were not allowed to read. Or, or educate ourselves. There was a point where we were all in the same boat. If you're a woman and you're black, you're just not going to read. Because why? They knew once we had books and education, we'll bun them all and show how insecure, rubbish white and yes, actually, white men are in that respect because they're the ones who rule the world and impose all these um, fearful rules on us. I don't know if it will happen. I do think we're in the evolution of women right now. So it's, we've got a lot of unpacking and to do. And men who are losing their idols at the moment have to figure it out and work out what they're going to do. And after they finish beating their chest, understand that they don't have to be aggressive and angry and uh, they can get on with women in a nice way without feeling scared that we're coming to take over. But maybe that's where it was. I'd like to go to Paradise Island with a Wonder Woman and the other Amazonian women, because I find it's a bit mythical that they're all white in most of the film, in the film. So I'd like to go to the real Paradise Island and experiment with having multiple men and choosing the best to I think you'd end up still going back to the beach. That one, that that story, the beach where they thought they would go to liberation. It wasn't a sexual. Yeah, there's that. I think I think that too many humans across race are are very anxious and are very needy and codependent by nature. So this idea of this freedom, there to me, there's always favourites. And if you haven't got the right balance of partners that understand that sharing 
I think it always goes back to the only one. And I do agree it's an indoctrination that's been around forever for us through Christianity and Hollywood and whatnot. I do understand that. But I do think that we are more possessive as people to our old, you know, significant others than we like to think. And so, again, I think it's about the maturity of those doing that. But clearly, this woman we're speaking of is, and she's probably been that way because of all the abuse she's actually experienced to empower herself but the many luckily many of us don't go through that extremity so i wonder how we can get there mm. anti-shadow i would like it to be closer than what it is the reality to be honest because yeah i'm tired i'm ready <laughs> personally yeah i think it's i think what she's like i think that I would like to see like the shoe on the other foot basically and see how it pans out for a bit. Let's see if, because I think, what do you call it? Polygamy is, it's rife. It's part of, I think I've mentioned this before. Like my granddad had 14 wives. Do you know what I mean? He done all right. They done all right. <laughs> Seriously. As in you could have 14 husbands or you could be one of 14 wives. No, definitely not one of 14 <laughs> wives. <laughs> Actually so you could have multiple husbands yeah i think so i think it's because you because if you're setting up your relationship like that this is just theoretically i haven't actually do, done this but if, if theoretically i just think that you dictate how the relationship goes so if someone doesn't fall in line then they get removed and because it's a collective you're more likely to get a consensus because everyone is indoctrinated into the same belief system that was very Kevin Samuels of you. <laughs> well, I mean, my mother was one of about thirty-six children with that setup with my mm. uh, granddad, and honestly, the pain. My mum was one of the eldest, and she felt very rejected when he moved on to the next one. Yes, mm. there is a lot of friction between this very large clan in my village. Yeah. because yeah it, so yes again it's I feel that there's a lot of romanticization especially to those of us in the west because we haven't experienced it but my direct indirect experience from my mother is that she and her sister were very unhappy about the new woman when her mother passed away and then he went off to have you know kids with other people and it was all agreed but there was a lot of bitter matriarchs in that whole situation that I still now contend with some family members I don't even talk to blah 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 so they didn't do it in a mature way do you know what I mean they just didn't hmm. I definitely think you need maturity for sure and everyone needs to be bought into the idea and if you have to be almost outside this current system of do you know what I mean possession do you know what I mean and just like basically be there to serve the queen and that's your role Aldi <laughs> Farah, you've not commented. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it's ever going to happen. I was just thinking about how I would be in that situation. Firstly, I'd have to be like Auntie Sade on that side of it. I don't want to have. I don't want to be one of many. <laughs> like that's. I don't want to do that. And then I was thinking about the benefits. I don't think I could really do it, but I was thinking about the benefits if I was to have a bag of man just at my disposal. None of them have to live with me unless I want them to. I can have one come over on one day to fix something. <laughs> one come over the next day to fix me. One come over the next day. And then when they irritate me, I literally just do not have to see them. I just move on to the next one. 
but they're there to serve me. And I don't know. But then I feel like that's too much energy as well, like trying to control all, all of that. I don't know. I don't think in reality I could do that because I quite... When I'm in a relationship with someone, I like to be in a relationship with that person and have that one-on-one -on -one experience and that closeness. So I don't know if I could actually share, spread myself that thin. And I can also see that like, Auntie Cindy said, like how that could be problematic for children involved as well, unless it's dealt with in a very open and honest way where they understand everything and, and every child is treated the same. And I don't know if that's possible. Sometimes that's not even possible when you have a step parent yeah. and it's just one step parent. So. Yeah, I don't know. That's why I was quiet. <laughs> in, a, in an idealistic way, what could happen was at a certain, when you hit your womanly rite of passage, our rite of passage is going to a paradise island and understanding the ways of man and picking and selecting and without judgment. So you can sleep with a man or talk to a man or have like in, really understand man at, from the perspective of being a, a, a woman that's developing and learning how to be themselves and a relationship, all that type of stuff, just getting room to understand man without it being dictated to by man. And then when you've understood it, maybe you pick a man from Paradise Island or you go back into the world with your knowledge and then you can pick better because I think we're under pressure to Sounds be married. Like a reality show. Sounds like a reality Well, it could be that. <laughs> it could be that. But it's like, because men have their rites of passage and all this type of stuff. We don't really have many women's kind of rites of passage to really understand ourselves. And especially as we are, you know, carriers of life, we should be aided a lot better in selecting better mating partners. And we're not. I don't think we have the right tools given to us. So if we could go off somewhere and learn that without men telling us how to do it, that might be the, 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 like the middle ground. I like that idea. Just thinking of the two men that she went for, though, Bow Wow and <laughs> Little Wayne, they are like the worst specimen of man, in my opinion. Like, that is... <laughs> <laughs> could you pick any you could throw in future and she'll have future nick cannon maybe drake and then all of the <laughs> really but bow wow and little wayne wow that's that's interesting little that's wayne has a lot of women around him like he seems to juggle lots he does, of chicks he does attract now. some interesting women but anyway let's get the comments Okay, so Antoinette says, it's called an Adam's apple for a reason. Adam did it. He picked the apple and told Eve to eat it with the, with his man of the house in charge type vibe. Victoria says, wasn't it the other way around? Question mark. And Ronald says, what do you do when each of the multiple partners has multiple partners? Doesn't work like that. Don't work like that. They're not allowed. <laughs> this is a what do you what is a, what is it like a pride of lions but reverse genders? That's what that is. Sorry. Moving on. So what I have heard is a really sad story. Actually, to make it a bit more serious, now a guy, a young boy at the age of eleven from Arbitillery, his finger after fleeing bullies. Raheem Bailey caught his finger while climbing a fence to escape. And after six hours of surgery, doctors could not save it. His mother said his her son goes to the Abitillery Learning Community and was subjected to racist abuse and bullying because he's small for his age. And obviously he's black. Gwent Police and Black, oh gosh, Blainer, Gwent Council are investigating what happened. She said what happened was, and the mum went on to say that on Tuesday, her son was 
attacked by a group of children who kicked him when he was on the floor. And as he was trying to run away, he got caught up in the fence. And they're saying he's home with his family, but he's struggling to understand what happened. And what really broke my heart was that he said sometimes... She said that he says, Mummy, I didn't lose a finger. I was just having a really bad dream. I'm having a dream. That really broke my heart when I was reading that. So it's just, again, another one of these stories where police or authorities have failed to take action when a black child is in distress. I have no question to this because we've had this many discussion, but I just, we just, well, I guess it's just a story to bring to light. If you guys knew about it, how you felt about it, but it's just in the air to quickly discuss. So she has actually made a video statement today. And one of the things that she talked about was that the school sent out like a letter to all the parents and they said they were concerned for the safety of the teachers and the pupils. And she was like, maybe if they had been concerned about the fucking safety of my kid, we wouldn't be here. And it was a generic letter. That's how, that's why she got it. A letter or email, I can't remember, but that's why she got it as well. And I just thought they have failed her son. This was, they reported the bullying. It wasn't the first instance of him being bullied. Mm. They reported it. And they have just failed him to the point where, thank God, in a way, it's just his finger. And it's awful. And it's disgusting that this boy has had to go through this and he has to now get a prosthetic finger and go throughout his life like that. But thank God that it was just his finger because it could have been so much worse. And the school knew what was happening to him and did nothing. And like you said, I don't know, I don't know what we can do. We always say, what can we do? What can we change? Blah, blah, blah. But I think just highlighting the epic fill of this school and the system that he's in, Hopefully somewhere along the line, something will change. I saw this story and I, I echo everything you guys are saying. Maybe a slightly uncomfortable truth tangent here, but when I shared this story, I said, I, I live in London, I live in Peckham, I mean, I've always lived in South London and I live with my kid and my husband and we live in a one bedroom at the moment. We're going to probably get a two bedroom somewhere in, in South London. We know how expensive it is in London. And I hope that when I say this, people don't think I'm trying to blame the parents here, but this is, it was just another reminder as to why I wouldn't want to chase a bricks and mortar, what's the word, ideal, which is what we're always encouraged to do as we become middle-aged. Oh, why don't you live outside of London? Why don't you have a garden? You'll have better space. I've never done it because the mental health and well-being of my child is more important than the space I live in now. I, again, like I said, I'm really heartbroken for her, and I know there's been like a GoFundMe, and I really hope she really considers trying to live into a, a bustling city with more diversity, because these things happen in London. I'll give you a case in point. My husband went to Peckham Pulse the other day, and basically a white man and a white child of no more than three or four called a number of black individuals in a locker room monkeys. Oh, daddy, look, there's a monkey. Right. So it happens here in London. Let's not pretend that London is this oasis. I'm just saying that the way that the system is less systemically racist is the issue for me. So I would rather be in my safe, black and brown, diverse space where if something is to happen to my child, there is more likelihood that I have. I hate the word ally, but for the point of this conversation, there are a few more allies within the system that have understood the need to support my child or black folks a little bit more than up up there in Welser. 
that's my issue so um i hope i haven't gone too off tangent but i do think that we are nowhere near thinking we should go off somewhere to pay cheaper rent and then subject our children if you're there by yourself that's fine go and live wherever you want because you can navigate them like the hostilities and escape but our children can't so that's, that's just no, do you know what, do you know I said I didn't have a question, but I, I actually I missed what I'd actually written, which is a, exactly that. I said, sad, but what's the conversation around the rehousing wave of sending poor non-whites to outside London? What's the duty of care for that type of relocation? So you actually hit the nail on the head of where I wanted to go. That's it. So I'll throw that out to those of you who haven't commented. Along the lines of what Auntie Cindy said, rehousing, living outside of London for maybe affordable or by force you have no other option when the council has relocated you because that's it, you have to go. Where's the duty of care for that type of relocation? How do you fortify yourself and your children in a space like that that's not welcoming to you? I think for the two Black Welsh people I know that were brought up in villages, they're both mixed race, and the stories that they have told me about being in school I think I I have a very large fear about going too far outside of the M25 for that reason. And to be the only black in a village, I think is very dangerous. And we're not at a stage where it's not dangerous. And I'm, I'm always a bit like, don't people know what happens to black folk when they venture that way? Like, I know somebody's got to do it. And yeah, you may be brave and you do it solo. But when you involve kids in it, I do feel that there is a lack of responsibility and I wish them all the best. And I'm really glad that the community has got together and now their GoFundMe is at over 100K. But with that, I really hope she does get the prosthetic um, finger that she's after and they move. And even if you still want to be in Wales, but you move to like Swansea or Cardiff or somewhere, because that was also a factor. They were so far away from the city where he really needed care, it took them hours to get to the hospital. And we weren't, this country is not there. We are absolutely not there yet where you can be out in the sticks and expect people to take your pain seriously. You, you can't. And also the other thing for parents is, and when I worked in schools, you would see it a lot. When a child is saying that they're being bullied, I really wish people would take it very seriously and remove the child until you're like the school is doing something about it. It shouldn't be that they're still going in because you see it escalating. And even when you bring parents in, and, and this is it's from a privileged position, because if you've got to go out and work and you're thinking, I can't have my child at home, but there are extremes that take place when you just keep on feeding your child to the wolves and the school and the teachers are not doing anything about it. They're just like, oh, just be quiet in the class. That email or letter that went around is exactly what happens in schools. It's like when you talk about the fuckeries that they've done, then they try and come on to you like, now we're in danger. And they did that with Child Q. Same thing. It's, oh, now our school is unsafe. Our school's out there. What about the other pupils? And then they start guilt tripping the family and the community at large for being like, no, this is out of order. I just hope that this serves as another lesson to everybody else that if it's not going well and you really are, there's a problem with racism in your area, take it very serious because it should be treated like it's life-threatening. It shouldn't be something that you just suffer through or grow up from. It's no, this we need to move again. Yeah, all of the above. I just, I, I don't know, but my, I think it's that we, what you touched on, Auntie Nana, is just like my 
thoughts of those with like people who can't move, do you know what I mean? Or don't have that privilege to be able to just take six weeks off work and focus on their child or homeschool or those kind of things that people do think are easy solutions in this case and I think like a lot of parents when they drop their kids off at school they hope for the best do you know what I mean and they have to because they're in survival mode and there's there's very little that they can do to actually change their circumstances in a short amount of time and it's just I don't know I feel I'm just very frustrated because it does feel like there's very little that can be done. So, it, it, again, I just feel like a bit like powerless because literally how do we help those people? Apart from like fundraising and all that kind of stuff, the problem is it's, it's out of our control. In inner city areas in London, there are programmes to move people out. Like, that's it. And, then, and if you fall behind in rent and you have rent arrears, then you have no choice. Like, it's either they rehouse you or you don't get help again. And then you'll risk it being homeless. And then you get judged again for being a parent and putting your child at risk of homelessness. Like, you can't, do you know what I mean? Like, you're everywhere you look, you just don't have a choice. And it's all of that with the rising cost of living, like the shame, all of. <laughs> It's actually impossible. It feels impossible. So, but I do think like where you can find community, you should try if you can. But, and also as well, I think like maybe what we can do is just like those people that we do know that are in our networks, maybe that do live out there. Maybe we do it a little bit extra to help them go and visit them, go and support them if we can. Do you know what I mean? Or support those groups who are supporting those people as well. Those are things that we can do because most of those people, I would imagine if they had a choice, they wouldn't be there. They've said that the school, the, um, the learning centre has been closed to pupils on Monday. I don't know how whether it's going to be how long it's going to be closed, but that then that's the ripple effect as well because the pe- other kids that need the space, regardless of race, they're now an important. It's a learning community, so I'm assuming it has a special um, program for children that really depend on this type of alternative learning or supported learning. You've got a bunch of children that are out of the, out of this space because of their um, lack of care. I'm just more, I'd like to know her backstory, how she ended up in Wales, what the story is, because I think as we've said, as we're alluding to, it's not, it might not necessarily have been her choice. Can I just say as well, though, like, I get that's what we're talking about for the purposes of the show as well, but let's also just not forget, she's not the fucking problem. These people and and of those, those bullies are the fucking problem. And what they should be doing is make sure that those kids, they need to get expelled. The the parents need to get punished. This needs to be not swept under the carpet. It needs to, do you know what I mean? It needs to happen. So I think it's, again, this is not, it's almost like this is a racist problem that, that white people need to solve. Do you know what I mean? And they need to be more severely punished because they're doing it to a person who is isolated. I also was going to say that the other part of the question was, where's the duty of care and what could be done? Because it could be like an added extra argument, somehow legally entered into the argument about being not being relocated to somewhere so far. As what, what, what the, the thing about it is, though, the, the thing about it is, in terms of duty of care, we know if you live in social housing, there is no fucking duty of fucking care. Yeah? There isn't. You could live in London, 
you could live in Wales, you can live wherever the fuck you're living. When you're in social housing, they don't care about you. They have people living in conditions that are inhumane. Yeah. I saw I saw on that what's his that boy that um Auto housing. Thank you. I saw on his Instagram feed a few weeks ago. I know we're going off subject, but it's all to do with why people move and all that kind of stuff. But I saw on his feed they had a, an elderly person who was blind living in a mold-ridden house. The house had mold on every inch of the fucking ceiling, the walls, everywhere. There's sewage coming up from the... And, and then these are the people that still want to chase you for your rent. There's no duty of care. They have people living, five, six, seven members of the family in one bedroom flat, so they want to come round and tell you, ah, oh, make your front room. Uh, um, a, a bedroom oh. oh it doesn't matter your kid doesn't count they don't care then they put you on these other schemes because there are other schemes and sometimes when you're in a position because I was in this position where I felt that I would never move if I tried to stay in West London if I tried to stay in West London my housing association at the time Peabody told me I will never move they said to me my daughter doesn't count she could be 18, they're not moving me. So the only scheme was to move out of West London and move to Northwest. Now I'm lucky, I've got family around here. Not everyone does. And these are the things that they put you into these positions where you have no choice. And like Auntie Shane said, it's not her fault. But I totally agree with you, Auntie Cindy. You want to be safe in your environment. You want to come out of your door and see people that look like you. Because I'm not about going somewhere where the nearest black person is hundreds of miles away. That fills me with dread. There's certain places in this country I won't go to yeah. because of those reasons. It's, this shit don't happen only in America. It happens here too. There's certain ends I'm not going to. This It, it, it just infuriates me. Because of what is probably her housing issue, she's now facing this issue with her son. She's, her son's going to be traumatised forever. What can she do? Like, it's just, ah, oh, this country just infuriates me. I think my thing was just asking, I know it's in, we're in this position where it's, it, it, you can't even call a council person to come and fix a minor thing in your yard, let alone trying to implicate something or in add something to the list of kind of, pushback if you when you're trying to contest moving out being moved somewhere that you're that you have no you feel like you've got no community but maybe there is a conversation about adding something to the list legally somehow that what's that community that you're trying to move me out to are there other people like me in that community and then and maybe finding ways to stall the process we have wasn't to think there, wasn't there something like that in the sort of civil rights era where there was actually african-americans that would actually put together a list of places that were safe to go to as black people yeah. that's, that's like the green book you know the, the yeah green that's book. the one yeah. maybe we were always having to do this ourselves is like put a resource to say what areas are decent to go to? Do they do black Airbnb now? Like things like that. Like before yeah. you think about relocating to such and such, have you checked to see? And maybe it would be a bit like a trip advisor where people would just actually comment on their experiences in these areas. That could be actually a really good resource tool just that for people to know. And that's the only issue with that is like sometimes when you're when the council or housing association, whoever the hell it is that is saying that you're going to move here. You've got one chance. You say no to them, and they say that you're intentionally homeless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say that the system is not made to help us. No, it's not. But also having that documentation, because sometimes that footprint of conversation can contribute to some bigger argument. If you've got something going, or a community of people that say, "Look, 
if you want to know, we point to this black chip advisor or black community advisor, and there've been enough comments to say this area is particularly, da -da -da, and also it's all those things when you have an incident, racist incident, again, it's, it's us doing the heavy duty labor, it's not on us, but these are these are our survival tips. Whilst we're in yeah. these positions, it's our survival tips, not us solving it, but protecting ourselves for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Whenever there's a racist incident, make sure that you do report it, even if you feel like it's not gonna get taken seriously, report it to the authorities in every which way you can. It's just for your documentation so that you've got this stack of evidence, then maybe you've got this community of people talking about this area is known for being this. And when your housing saying, we wanna send you here, potentially that's a little bit extra weight to your argument as to saying, I'm not going here. It's very slightly idealistic, but it all- Do you know, I've already got being an ideas person. This sounds like a perfect thing that you can actually do digitally. Do you know what I mean? It's just about having a hosting site where people just let, contribute independently and therefore you build up the network and that way it becomes a public resource just like TripAdvisor's there you think you, you say you want to go to Italy this place you can go there and see hundreds of reviews about various things so maybe that's just one of the other things that yeah we have to collectively labor but it only takes an IT genius to host that site and then we would be able to be like oh yeah anytime you visit these places in other parts of Britain submit your review so we get a collective data on where we think is safe or not and then like you say then the actual government local governments of those places will be have to be embarrassed and called out by these actual reviews and no no white people want to be actively seen to be actively like in a place that it has a strong sense of racism happening yeah so that could change a lot of things embarrassing them is probably the only way that's going to work no. but then again our bloody prime minister embarrasses himself daily doesn't he all right let's get a comment i think there's only one comment to this topic okay so antoinette says i couldn't even move to north or east london let alone outside of london south london born and bred and i still feel uncomfortable going to bermondsey so not for me to go further out of my comfort zone and Ronald says, meanwhile, in America, we just had another school shooting in Texas with two casualties. Bloody hell. So it's literally like every day at the moment. We have another one that's just come in from Candice saying it's also infuriating, but not surprising to see the black nursery nurse who does programs to combat racism in schools is receiving racist abuse. An MP and the Daily Delegate Telegraph have complained about the work being done to combat racism. Mate. Okay. Auntie Farah, let's get your news and culture stories, please. That's just really upset me, all of that shit. Yeah. Okay. So my news story is what in the monkey pox is going on? <laughs> what in the monkey pox is going on? Whilst the virus is different to COVID-19, should we believe the government when they say that we shouldn't be concerned? Because remember, we heard this, and I'm not even saying that it's going to be the same, but right now they're just very like, oh, don't worry about it. But then at the same time, they're talking about you need to quarantine for three weeks. And uh, what do we all think about the racial and sexual orientation undertones in reporting this case, these cases of monkeypox? There's 71 cases, confirmed cases in the UK now. What was the, um, what's the sexual undertones? So they're saying that it, it, it's transmitted mainly at the moment. They're saying it's uh, homosexual men. And um, oh, that yeah, old chestnut. Okay. That's my point. 
that's it's that old chestnut they're trying to go there and at the same time they're like oh it's it's an african disease is it because it's not in africa at the moment bruv and in mm. fact it's not in no black countries the reports are saying it's all in europe and in america yeah what in the monkey box is going on yeah they're, they're, there's been complaints that they're showing a lot of the western platforms are showing black people's reactions to monkeypox when as you said it's not isolated to black people guessing it currently the foreign press association in kenya a group for journalists covering africa for global outlets have issued a statement saying we condemn the perpetuation of this negative stereotype that assigns calamity to the african race and privilege and immunity to other races what is the convenience of using such images to tell the world how europe and america are reeling from the outbreak of monkeypox is the media in the business of preserving white purity through black criminality or culpability and basically why are you using white people then white... they went one step further and when they reported it used real images of a white person yeah. who was suffering from monkeypox exactly yeah, we know, we know. yeah because all these outbreaks have tried to assign to every race but one can i name the countries that the cases are in at the moment yes so you have australia belgium canada france germany italy netherlands portugal spain Sweden, United Kingdom, United States of America. 92 confirmed cases, although this was much earlier or yesterday. Not one in any predominantly black continent or country. Sounds Eurovision with extras. Right. <laughs> yeah, but you've, you guys have said it all. I just felt I'd been transported back to the 80s with the whole HIV it was insane, like when I first saw the headline and then I think there was even a picture of a monkey with it. I was like, oh, here we go, Race Beta 101. And then I saw that it was targeted to the gay community. I was just like, do they not think we have memories and receipts about this? I'm, I just, yeah, I'm astounded that they've played into this really whack stereotype because we have the receipts of their past madness with HIV and everything. It's just bizarre. But hey, whiteness, isn't it? So what can I say? I think we're at a loss, to be honest. There's so little to add, isn't it? We've all, we all know. Less. We just want to see how this plays out. Yeah. To see where it goes. But I would just wholesale again for black people. Don't take it on. Because I remember early days with COVID and it was like it wasn't spreading. And they still are a bit like, why didn't it go mad yes. in Africa? They're still perplexed by that. Mm. And yeah, let's just leave them to this new virus. Stay away from anybody that looks a bit poxy. They're offering the small pack, smallpox vaccine currently. Oh, my God. Oh, here we go. <laughs> it's not a fatal condition anyway so again i'm uh, not sure what the big headline is you get it you quarantine you get your, your thing and done so i'm I, I must say that i'm wondering why this is a major headline because it's just like something that we as a globe have worked out how to cure yeah. like to cure once you have it so what's the biggest like chicken pox it's just a, a more severe type of thing of chicken pox so hmm. It shouldn't be a headline, but it's a then headline because they said that it rollout. Right. There's the rollout of the vaccines, and that's what they're all because now we're susceptible to that. That pricks up people's ears, and it just mm -hmm. goes into ah, 
the vaccines and there'll be other people that are really scared of this. There are people that are really scared of this because it's on the news all the time. Also, it's because it's monkeypox and they reckon it's not usually in these countries. And you're talking about the money in it. And, and that's the, one of the biggest reasons why I'm so resistant to the vaccine and all that stuff, because the people that are making money out of it. And it just, I noticed something, this is an old article in Forbes, I say 21, but I saw something on Insta or one of the social platforms saying that how nearly 500 people became billionaires during the pandemic year. And a lot of those billionaires came from the pharmaceutical industry because of the vaccine business, the business of vaccinations. So the fact that that could also be my mad today, but the fact that I traveled to Nice and I had a literal ridiculous panic because I forgot to do my COVID test. And the fact that I ran, like me and my daughter got a cab because we found a place, got a cab, got the test. The cab was 15 pound. The test was 35 pound. The cab back was 15 pound. Ask me who checked my COVID status anywhere, anyhow. Oh, wow. My whole journey. Even at the airport, I just walked through like back in the day. So why the frick did I do that test? Why? And that was, that's what, about 60, 70 pounds? Yeah. Nothing. For nothing. And that's how they're making money. Because you, and literally being in Nice, one or two people had masks, but the whole, everything's back to normal. So why the hell am I still taking an, a test? And if I didn't, and trust me, I bet if I didn't take that test, I would have got to the airport, I would have had all the issues and not been able to go anywhere that day. Law of averages, all that, whatever happens. But yeah, so someone, they're just making money. And when it's they, I don't know why they want us vaccinated. I don't know what. No, I'm countering what I'm saying. It's a business now, so they're making up all these things to make us get scared. So we just keep churning it out because cost of living is coming up, is getting worse. People aren't buying and spending because they can't. The logic of the people that rule this world is so dumb. You've made the cost of living sky high. People can't buy nothing. So then the next thing is scare us to being feeling like we're ill and going to get vaccinations. It's just the logic is it isn't logicing. It's so dumb, so backward. So anyway. Moving on. Sorry, just can I? I don't know if I've made this up, but I swear I read somewhere that uh, I think it was Dominic Cummings came out and said that there was lots of companies, pharmaceutical companies, that basically blackmailed the government into paying lots of that was out there yeah i didn't make that up okay i need to find that story was wasn't it the media it was newspapers wasn't it that black I, I, I read about pharmaceutical companies like demanding mm. that britain was one of the first to to roll out so they basically had to put up a lot of money while they were still in trial period to be like one of the first but he was like they, he was being blackmailed over it he didn't actually really want to do it but because he was painting boris to be really weak as he does all the time and a buffoon but he did this and he spent loads of money unnecessarily but yeah i was wondering if i just made that up me um i love a john grisham book though it's a fiction but i love john grisham that's my one um, guilty pleasure author and a lot of information i learned about the pharmaceutical companies came from reading his books and the way that corporations just can go, can bully governments. It just happens. The, the, the rich boys bully each other to push and pull their little money brackets. It's just a farce. But definitely that, definitely businesses and governments, it's all hand in hand. They bully each other to do things. Anna. All right, moving on quickly. Auntie Nana, your news and culture, what's going on? Okay, this one should be a quick one. This just tickled me that there is a, a priest, mixed race priest called Calvin Robinson, 
who was actually blocked from becoming a fully fledged police because he's considered too racist by the Church of England. And so he's come out and has been like, I don't care about the Church of England. And he's signed up to be a part of some Orthodox Christian church somewhere or another. And he's going to be a priest there. But really, my question is just how racist must Calvin have been to have been outed by the Church of England as being racist, as a black man? Like, How bad must he have been? Any suggestions? It depends, though, isn't it? Because we don't know if he was a self-hating. I'm just trying, and he was saying some crazy stuff about people of colour. Or, more believably, he was just being unapologetic in a sort of 20, in a, in a 21st century way of speaking about racism full on, as more younger people do. So they don't skirt around it, they just tell you. I think it would have been something like saying that Bottom line, no matter how well your intentions are, how good you are, blah, 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 if you're white, you are inherently racist. I reckon it would have to be some madness like that where some people cannot oh. that kind of message. They, some people find that really difficult to comprehend. Um, no, he was, it's the opposite. So oh, he right. basically saying yeah. that he was called out for saying, or blocked by this bishop for saying that that the UK is not inherently racist and that black with Black Lives Matter, he says there are elements of racism in this country which need to stamp out. But while we are seeing everything as racist, we are undermining those racial in- issues that we need to address. Oh, so so he's the first one. So okay. Yeah, so yeah, basically. So I think, I think like with the church they they don't speak on these issues at times do you know what i mean so i can see why they blocked him because they wouldn't necessarily speak on it in this way do you know what i mean you would have to something as as widespread as racism would really need to come from the pope to put a position on it to say a do you know what i mean to say a country is not inherently racist that's not for you to say as in your position in the popehood <laughs> hierarchy yeah okay so yeah he's too right he's it as they say i don't even know if this is a word but i guess he's too racy because he speaks about racism right it's not that he is saying it's not that he's like perpetuating the same white pathology it's that he's actually talking about it is more of the issue than what he's saying. I I still think he's a bit self-hating. Oh, he's absolutely self-hating. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but it's just because of what he's going to get attention, isn't he? Because of who he is, like because of his race. It would be a very dangerous thing to empower him, I would think. Mm. Um, They would think. And you know, they love control. So He was was a TV presenter. Oh, was he? (laughs) Yes, I recognise his face. No, do you? I do. I recognise his face. And this article is loaded with lots of inaccuracies because he's, it says training priest, but then it says vicar. Because you're not, you're a vicar if you're Church of England, not a priest. You're a priest if you're Catholic. So it's just, they're throwing words in the article to make it a bit worse. But I I, I think I'm with you when I say that they don't want anyone that's going to give them more controversy than they're going to face on their own. (laughs) because <laughs> they're gonna face they're facing controversy aren't they yeah and yeah he's definitely self-hating definitely he needs to go and take a bathe somewhere 
That's well, this reminds me of the the guy who became a wait i think we're all old enough sunita so macho that pop song yeah the guy who wrote that it was very the high camp song as we all know for those of us that remember it and the, there's a black guy that wrote that song and was big on that whole pop circuit and then he became a priest and became the most anti-gay kind anti this that and the other type of person once he became a i think not a priest a vicar or something like that or a bishop he just it just reminds me of that kind of strange because he everybody thought he was low-key gay anyway thing so uh, the, the the guy sounds like he's got issues beyond the actual story is the issue for me i can't even look at him and take him seriously so i'm gonna to, <laughs> i can't i see i've googled and i can't i can't <laughs> i just can't i have no comment because i'll just I'll probably insult him in a way that's not fair so let's move on <laughs> or get if we've got any comments to that Okay, yeah, no, there are a few comments. I think these are from earlier on story. The, okay, so T Smith says, yes, Cindy and Auntie AK, I thought of this long time ago as a result of what my cousin has been going through with her housing association. A trust pilot platform or a register should be a start. And Ronald says, remember when they said HIV was only gays and Haitians? I don't remember the Haitians being in there. Mm. T Smith says authority bodies, schools, housing that perpetuate racism should be banned from housing and school members of the black community. She goes on to say that you are on the money, Auntie AK. And Candy says he was more a Preeti Patel, Candice Owens, right wing C word type. And Sid says, oh, wow, Cindy was on. And then Ronald says he sounds like a light-skinned male Candice Owens and then goes on to say, wait, this is live live. Yes, we are live. Yes, we are. Sometimes we do pre-record and sometimes we go live. All right, what's your culture story? Okay, so my culture story informs what we were talking about earlier on. So there is a new UK civil rights organisation that has come into being since George Floyd's, since 2020. And they are galvanising the community and I was really just wanted to know, would you join a UK civil rights organisation? And also, what do you think they should be focusing on? Like for us, what we actually need as like Black Britons, what should be, just a few ideas, what should they be focusing on? I saw this story and I saw the people that are leading it and I just thought, I'm not an ageist, I love my age group and, and beyond, but I don't, I feel that I don't, I'm not confident about this particular organization. I think one of the great things about Black Lives Matter, and I know there's been recent controversy about where money's been spent and all that, so don't come at me for that. But in terms of the actual concept, I'm really about the idea of move, movements where no particular person is really in charge. There is no genuine leadership. There is no authority. I think it's really old school, 20th century, and it always leads to problems in the end. So this kind of felt rather stuffy and antiquated, and I don't really have that much confidence in it, but it's one of those things that I'm in good company with the aunties and the listeners and viewers. On a wider tip, I will just not say nothing. 
I want to support because it's a nice cause, but I don't have much uh, confidence in doing things in these rather rigid formats. And many of the people that are part of this organization are already in the system and therefore I don't think they have the ability to be radical enough for my sensibilities. I think I'm in the same space where they want to knock it till it's been tried. I heard about it um, a while back, people discussing it. And we have mentioned, we have talked about in different ways how we come together as a community to combat, though it's not our problem to solve, I definitely think we need a defence institution against the racism that's imposed on us. And so we're ready to come at whatever they send us, but it's not for us to resolve their issue. We've had that problem. Who do we turn to in these civil rights matters? We're not like America that have had those civil rights organisations. They've had their issues along, but at least that the NAACP was a thing. Black Lives Matter, though they're going through their issues in the moment, it was it had stood for something. We haven't had something as robust and rooted for the UK at all, apart from pockets of organisations and movements, not to discount the history and the ancestors that have done it before us, for us. But I just don't know, ma'am, because as you said, the people that are all coordinating it in the system already, I don't know how radical you can be and how you can target the government if, I don't know, I definitely believe that you need to know the system before you break the system, so I understand that, but those who know the system and have been in the system, can they really let go and break the system without fear? Because institutionalization happens, even when you just work at a regular 95, you can get institutionalized really quickly. What could they do? Bro, we need all these things. Relocation issues. We need housing. We need employment. There's, there's a listening of things. Let me wear my hair how I want. Let my child go to school with dreadlocks. Let my child go to school with cane rows. Where do we start? Where are we going to let my child go to school and not be strip searched by a teacher? Let my child not be bullied and come home with bits missing or not even come home alive. Let my child let me report my child go missing and then they please actually do something don't leave it till they're found in a different way. there's so many things there's, there's too many things what i would like to see at first is just i don't know i don't want a town hall meeting i don't want us to have debates and conversations about how long what are we going to do i just want it to be done and there's a lot to put on this screen, this, is the thing. this is what i mean but also my bias tends to point out that in this country it happens in america as well but because they have got a bit more radical things happening just by sheer number differences i guess i think one of the things that i find difficult here like i've joined many on social media i've joined many black groups community groups i rarely try to i've given up on many of them because i don't think that some of the issues go beyond some of the the basics i don't for example i don't think that that girls and women are ever represented in these um, black community discussions i think it's also very always very reactive to the worst case of racism and it doesn't really try to address systemic issues as well but at the same time i feel very quick I, I feel bad to criticize it because what am i doing you know what i mean but i would really like to see a more radical takeover I just don't feel that this organisation with some of the names that have been mentioned are going to quite get that right. I'm just having a quick look and now, and the first thing I'm just like, this is self-appointed. Do you know what I mean? Like, I can't, I just can't. Who voted for these people? Who are they supposed to represent? They don't, none of them represent me as far as I can see and what I know of people at all. So I, I just wouldn't even expect them to have my best interests at heart or the people that I care about, their best interests at heart. It just seems like some elitist BS, really. Do you know what I mean? And I just... 
it's very similar to when now Lenny Henry becoming our race star. I just feel like there's yeah, no. one person. Like, like I cannot, I cannot with, you know, I just can't. No, not at all. And the thing is, it's just, we just go round and round in these circles where maybe they have good intentions, but are you really talking to the people who you say you represent? Are you really pushing what they want to, to be pushed forward? And I just don't think it is. It's just like pandering to the status quo, really. And just ultimately what they do by doing nothing is just reinforcing it every single day. So it's just, it just, it, it sounds like being a Debbie Downer about it, but it really is like, you, this is literally the definition of insanity to continuously do the same things and expect different results. It's not going to happen. <laughs> That's that on that. The um, <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming. I disagree. I get what all of you guys are saying, but I do think, I, I think that the people in this incarnation, none of them appeal to me in any way. But I was more interested in actually, if this is created, maybe there will be like a more younger people that would get involved and maybe it would have some type of groundswell. Maybe that's actually what we need because there hasn't been a set UK civil rights movement that has taken place. So maybe if this gets it. Interrupt you, but who's the young people that's on the board of trustees that are represented here? No, maybe once it gets going, speak to them. Do you know what I mean? We're talking about no, no offense to these people, but Karen Blackett. Do you know what I mean? Dame Vivian Hunt, DBM, um, Kwame Quakey, like Amar, David um, Lamy. Like who? Who are these people speaking to? They're not going to inspire. These, these exactly, Auntie Shadow. These guys are like we've all echoed. Are really in the establishment. They are more right. that they are the chosen black folks that when middle class hand wringing liberals want to speak to somebody, oh I know my friend Kwame, I'll speak to it. No, no disrespect. They've earned their keep, they've got where they need to go. But that's what I'm talking about, the radical aspect. Even Black Lives Matter UK did far more in their short in their because you didn't even they didn't even choose for people to know them, which made it more concerning and more impactful to the existing establishment. So I do think that it's a radical approach that needs to be done. I don't think that breaking bread on these people's tables saying, yeah, okay, great, you're letting us do this now is radical in any way and can actually change anything. But the concept is wonderful. We all know we need something. I just don't feel that this is it. But I, I, I will silently be watching and hopefully I can support wherever possible, but I don't see it with the people involved go having the momentum that is required. Do you think the people involved, this could be like, it could be detracting from people that are doing real work because obviously it's a charity, they're going to, start, they're going to want funding sooner or another or yeah. they're, they're going to yeah. that this could just be another space to spend money to where it doesn't go to where it should be going to funnel systems yeah i don't i feel like i've talked too much so i'm going to be really quick with this what i'm what i will say is that sometimes we have to know when to step aside it's not every day you must take the the, the request or the job sometimes i get asked to do things because 
I get asked to do things. So through that, I could say yes to way too many things instead of passing the baton and saying, actually, I know that Auntie Farah is actually really good at this. Can I just recommend this person instead? Because for the greater good of this concept or this project, it would be better like led by this person. So there's many, I'm sure many of us do this behind closed doors, but often I might be lazily approached by lazy liberal white folks wanting me to do stuff for the, for the culture and all that. And I will be like, hell no, you need to speak to this person. I am not gonna do this, but what you need to do is call that person right now. And I don't think that this organization has thought of that. They've thought of themselves. They've all, they've all been eating very well from this whole move, movement and concept for over 20, they're grown. Hello? So you guys have the ability to bring the youth them and let them lead. And you can be a consultee and you can guide, but you just need to get the fuck out of the picture is what I'm saying. Okay, we got there. <laughs> All right, let's do, we could move on. Did you want to do the tank story or move on? All righty, righty, righty. So now it's time for my favorite um, moment. <clears throat> Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business with Cindy and the Fox. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business. Auntie's getting your business with Cindy and the Fox. With Cindy and the Fox. Hey, with Cindy and the Fox. Hey, with Cindy and the Fox. Hello, so how can I help you? <laughs> that was the extended version. Isn't it? <laughs> and I was like, all right, we only needed one. Hey, 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 don't you dare come at me for the wonderful intro. We are joined by a wonderful lady and we're going to get into your business right now. So please introduce yourself and tell us what it is you do. Yeah, go on. Hi, I'm Cindy. I am, I said I was a multi-potential, I found that word not that long ago, and it's just a really wanky word to say that I, I wear many hats. I don't know, for the purpose of this, I'll try and be brief. I've been a DJ for most of my life, over 25 years. For 22 of those years, I have been a promoter and DJ with my husband, Chris. We go under the name of Hanson Family, hands-on, because we do everything ourselves. We're very DIY very much in promoting black music across soul funk jazz house whatever on top of that currently i'm the co-director of a place called peckham palms which is a arcade in peckham that was built with the council to house and uh, prioritize black and black mixed race women in business so check us out online peckham palms and yeah i do lots of other things i'm about to do a festival in Brixton that is a connection to Harlem. We're, we're working with Harlem Bid and we're and I'm leading with the Brixton Bid and we're hoping to do a lovely festival in August. And what else? We do lots of stuff. There's Across the Tracks Festival that some of you may have heard of. We're hosting a stage area there. We also put on many events in Brixton Village, a space in Brixton Market. And I also am a low-key DJ agent. So I do loads of stuff. It's, Creatives, we move around, Charlie. We move around. I'm also very blackety black, and I'm very unapologetic about that. Yes, I'm very vocal on the socials. If you want to follow me, you probably won't, and you'll probably be following me every day and being vexed at what I say. But you'll still follow me because I'm that annoying. Can you describe your life in one sentence right now? Your life today, right now, in one sentence or a word? Content. Ah, nice. I like a dance. Hmm. 
like that. I like that. Nice. All right. So you said that you were just talking about your company and saying it's, it's your company, Hanson or Hands On. Could you tell us what it means and how you started it? What it means to you and how you started it? So when myself and Chris were more naive to the whole DJing game, I mean, we thought we were quite good DJs and we liked black music, really loved a little bit more of the chin strokey stuff. We're not really into the most commercial styles of music, if that's helpful. Um, what we quickly learned was that it was there was a monopoly on sort of jazz and funk and soul by white men. And we started to realise that we were getting sidelined and blocked and whatnot because, hey, institutional racism is in every industry, in everything you do. So we started to do our own events and we were like, we're, look, we're just going to do everything ourselves. We're going to just be hands on about our approach. And that's literally where it came from. We ended up actually also having a shop selling music with two friends at the time and everything that we've done has been, I always talk about that Maya Angelou quote of be angry, but to paraphrase loosely, be angry, but just be angry and bring some actions that are positive to the table. So we just decided to reject the British or the London scene that literally erased blackness, even though it was all about black music and culture and decided to do things for ourselves. So that's, and, and often back in the day, we would bring our own tech we would bring our own projectors. We would, everything that you needed to do, we would do it. Right now, my husband does all of our graphic designs. So you can see all our fancy flyers. He does all that. Everything we do is, we do it in-house. That's that's why it's called Hanson Family. I wanted to jump in. It's not my turn, but I just wanted to jump in on the back of that because you say that as a Black person reclaiming the space, that's ours. Mm. And I find that, especially because we've, we've had conversations about music tastes and stuff <laughs> you're a self-appointed music snob it's self-admitted music snob yeah. whereas i'm um, so some of our tastes clash but it it's interesting do are you frustrated with do you ever get frustrated with the music that black people at large react to and endorse and then the, the wealth of music that you explore and uncover that black people are play, are, are make like the jazzes the souls the blues the stuff that's overlooked for commercialism. I always wanted to get into that with you. No, I, I like, there are, it's a really funny thing because I go out a lot I, and, I, and I need to, because of the work I do, I always need to see what scenes are happening. And you need to come out to this, I'm a piano night, it's all about this. So I'll go to these vibes or whatever. But I love when I see black people in throng to listen to any sound, like how much I'm not a mad fan of grime or drill. Doesn't mean that if I've gone to a place and that hasn't been playing and the people love it, that I haven't actually had a nice time at the space because I love the congregation of black people together. I really think it's a spiritual thing that goes beyond a lot of things. I can't stand soca, but I will go to a soca party because I prefer to do that than go to a jazz night with pot-bellied white men just dry up in the corner. So sometimes I'll weigh up a good music night to music that I'm not even in love with because it's my people. So what I'm not mad at that. But I am mad about the sort of the colonial aspect of the music that I tend to, as a record collector, as a jazz person, as a blah, blah, blah. The people that are owning our music, if you go to Discogs, as an example, and you start looking up your granddad's records that are sitting in your yard or whatever, and you see how they've been overpriced because there's these white men particularly that are cataloguing our music and we aren't even owning our own story. And I feel like with black music, every... I, I can't believe if you listen to black music across all genres that you don't know our story. Like our stories are wrapped about, sung about, 
cried of everything that you can imagine. If you listen, it's like a library of information about black culture just by having the music. So I'm, my wish, you didn't even ask this, but I'll throw this in. If I won the lottery, a lot of that money would go into buying some of the most classic yeah. records in black music of the last hundred years. Facts, I just have it because I think it's such an important archive that we are missing out on. That's it. Thank you. Okay, yeah. so my first part of the question is, how did you actually get involved with Peck and Palms? So I, gosh, I'm one of those round, long stories. I'm going to try. So basically my mum, I'm Ghanaian, my mum had a shop in Brixton Village, which is used to be called Granville Arcade, for those that you know South London. And she was the first, she had the first Ghanaian foodstuffs shop in um, South London in the uh, late 80s to a point where most of my Caribbean friends and I, I'd, be, I'd be hiding because we'd be selling snails and all sorts of, sort of things, Charlie, and I'd be like, no, man, I don't want to be there. Just dumb, dumb, dumb nonsense. But yeah, my mum used to sell in the market and from a very young age, I had to go there. Through that, I fell in love with Brixton and the market. Please remind me the story because I'm, I'm, trying to, I'm trying to quickly connect. What was your question? Just link me so that I don't go off too far. With Peck and Palms. Thank you. So we, I, I already had a love affair with that market. Then myself and Chris, we ended up selling music in the, and had market stores all around London, Camden, Portobello, whatever. We used to do that on the weekend. And eventually we wanted to have our own shop. And at that point, around 2009-10, we found out that Brixton Market was now starting to give shops to different people because they were getting emptier through the old traders naturally departing and whatnot. We ended up getting a shop called United 80 with Sam and Necker who sold fashion and whatnot and we sold the music and through that we, where are we, where are we now? Good grief, I'm trying to like just link it but yeah we basically ended up selling all this music and ooh, again remind me of the question because I always go, I go off tangent. How did you yes. get farms? Yeah. And after about three or four years of doing that, we started to see that there was a hyper gentrification happening in the area. So within the fourth year, we decided to start talking about it. We threw a one-off event in the Ritzy Cinema to complain about the changes happening in the area in the community, which led us to agree to do a campaign called Reclaim Brixton. I just came up with a term. And within two or three weeks, we ended up having three and a half thousand people come to Brixton who were angry about the changes in the community. And through that, lots of people in Southwark and Lambeth Council noticed me and then started to try to drag me into all kinds of regeneration programs, which I was never interested in. And then I met Paul, who is my co-director of Peckham Palms, and he said, listen, there's a really nice idea where they want to maintain the black hairdressers and businesses in Peckham. Would you be interested in getting involved with this? It would be a retail space. We'll build it from scratch and we can create it however we want. And I said, what, is it because you're a white man that you're asking? And he said, yeah, because I can't do that. And I was like, I like your honesty. Let's do it. And that's literally what we started in 2015. So where we are, there was nothing there. It was just the back of an estate. And we just had to go through a whole load of processes after winning the bid with Southern Council. So, yeah, it's a, I was trying to give you a picture of why I was selected, because I became this gentrification, anti-gentrification campaigner. And lots of the press were bothering me and stuff. And then, yeah, people thought that I might be a good puppet to 
try to do a positive regeneration campaign. And this is the one that I thought was the most sincere. My second part, you touched on it a bit as well, but what do you think Peckham needs to keep or to create to sustain a cohesive community? So that it's not so the white folks here and the gentrification and then the old blacks in one space. What do you I think? Really, I'm definitely trying to think of how to do that with a number of people in Peckham. There's some amazing black-owned businesses like Prince of Peckham, Clement, um, CLF um, and Bussy building their own by a black man. There are quite a lot of black businesses and we're trying to work together more to connect. To answer the question, I think it's really important to understand like obviously Brixton and Peckham are not the same in the areas. One thing I love about Brixton is that the community seem more cohesive together, all races, in an interesting way, which means that anytime there's a massive change like the Hondo Tower, everybody comes together and campaigns together and you get people globally get to hear about campaigns there just because of the, the way the demographics work there. The Caribbean community are much more locked in with the Latin community and the the mid, even the middle class sort of trust affairing types, they all lock in together. The issue with Peckham is that it's more my people, it's West African indigenous that come there, mini Lagos, we Ghanaians and Sierra Leoneans and all of us are down there. And most of the people that come are transient. They were born over back home. They come here and they don't realize that they're going to stay there. It's, oh, Charlie, I'm coming here to make my money small. They move because, oh, their auntie, their friend lives in Peckham. Yay, let's go. And then they honestly think, yeah, I'm going to make my money and go back home. So they don't actually invest in the community. This is, this is what I see as a big issue. So when you're standing on the street trying to say, listen, come to this meeting. It's going to affect you, this, that, and the other. They're like, no, oh, I'm just here for five years. Meanwhile, what ends up happening is they fall in love, they have children, and then they're stuck in the system, but they haven't invested. So the children don't even get the legacy of the area. And that's what I'm trying to work out. How can I make my people actually know that it's a really good idea to invest in the community? That's where we're at at the moment. Interesting. Mm. Yeah, no, definitely from Brixton. So this is like amazing for me hearing the history and stuff and everything like that from your perspective and I'm also a event producer myself too so I will need to know from you because I have a very long list but what is one thing as an event producer that you would if you could never do it again what would it be it's so trivial it's so trivial do you know what it is it's like so many because because a lot of events is about admin people don't want to respect that yeah. and i just wish that people understood the difference between reply all and reply oh with no out reply all that's oh the basics my friends listen i've just sent out a email to myself where i've bcc'd you out of respect 30 yes. of you are all being told the same thing about this blood clot event. So all I need you to do is reply back to me. Nobody else needs to know. Why am I coming to my inbox and there's a hundred emails? Someone's just said, yes. Another person's <laughs> replied all. Another person hasn't copied everyone in, but has asked. Me too. Me, me three. Me too. Also me. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> so annoying. So you just, I'm going to try, Auntie Shade, I try so many different ways to get, I'll be like, I'll even say it, 
please reply all if you feel everyone needs to know this thing. If I literally do all that still. Yes, they don't care. They don't, they don't care. care. And the thing is, I don't understand why the email platform itself doesn't default to reply all. I just don't get it. That's what it should be. If you only want it to go one person, you should change it. That's what I, I don't know. Think. Sometimes do you, it's a bit like a WhatsApp. Do you sometimes want everybody to be into that response? Like maybe I've said, look guys, everybody send your bio pics and your bios. Yeah, do mm. that here's your invoice and this is the invoice measurement information but somebody has a different question that really pertains to them I don't mind if they just reply and reply with no one else because nobody else needs to read that so yeah. I'm like you know the difference between the two yeah yeah that's that's nice yeah <laughs> yeah I feel you Pain. I feel you I feel okay so we've talked to, we touched a little bit on the fact that you're active on socials which is I think how we met of you being very forthright with your opinions of the world and I definitely um, latched on and engaged with you on that note and I love the conversation platform that you've created that just birthed out of your opinions which is amazing and you do get some good strong opinions on your page it's primarily yeah. through Facebook yeah this is a very ridiculous question but because I was like we can talk about so many things but what's wrong with the world in your opinion <laughs> what is wrong with the world <laughs> i'd love um, to see these take yeah right now i feel like anti-intellectualism like that that to anti-intellectualism a lack of emotional intelligence and lack of accountability i think them three things that's mainly from a social media perspective i do have a lot more faith when i meet people face to face but on the internet, I think those three things are the key strands of my irritation with people. Definitely. I wanted you to break so, it down some more, but yeah, go on. <laughs> Do you ever feel the pressure to tone down some of your comments or your thoughts or just no. your opinions? No, because I'm nearly 50. I'm like, I'm well in middle age. The people that employ me or I work with for freelance, they know I've moved well away from compliance um, with people. They know straight away if I have a business meeting with someone, I'm very quick to let them know my politics. So it's, listen, this is it. If you don't want to work with me, I'm cool because I've never made loads of money. I'm not that aspirational for the cash. I walk away from many jobs because I, I want peace, contentment. And the things I'm saying, I thought the other day, someone said to me in real life, uh, someone I know, not really close, but they were like, there's some mans out there that really, they talk really badly about you. And I was like, first of all, it's a sad thing that they actually have the time to waste talking about people that were grown up. And he was like, yeah, I had to defend you, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, but the things that they're upset about, if we really think about what it is I say about men, particularly everyone, there's some people that think I'm definitely a man hater or a black male hater, even though I've been happily married for over 22 years. And my husband sometimes is the one that's even looking at a comment going, look at this dickhead. So it's for me, I feel like the things I say are just offensive to those who it's so funny you're asking this question, Auntie Farrah, because I was thinking about it and I said, I need to write some messed up thing about this. Like, you, if you're saying that you can't stand my views, it's because I've talked about rape culture or I've talked about the fact that black men don't protect enough of us or about colorism and the fetishization of certain black women over another. These are like regular themes that I go to. So if you, if you don't like me or, or think you hate me for saying these things, I'm like, hate away. It's great. I'm glowing from it. I'm like, because I don't know why you're so mad about 
topics like that, are you defending them? If you are, then yeah, we shouldn't know each other. Straight up. It's all good. I don't know what to, what do you want me to Sorry, say? Sorry, <laughs> coming. <laughs> I was so in it. I was basically thinking, oh, no, I get it. All right. So you've had a number of life experiences that you share me about on, on your page. And mm -hmm. similarly to Auntie AK, I don't even know how we know each other, but it's probably from social media. But I feel like I've known you for years. And there's one thing that you speak about. It's like the relationship between mothers and daughters. And I genuinely like really like that you broached this subject because it feels like such a taboo and nobody really talks about having relationships with mothers that aren't totally pleasant mm -hmm. and when you touch on it it always touches me okay. I just wanted you to just speak about that like why do you think it is still taboo that we're not having this open conversation so one of the things that I'm one of the things is that we've got this kind of mad monolithic binary madness online where it's either or right now yes I probably do tend to look at brothers and issues regarding our men a lot more than internally but when I do talk about these things I think that us as women um we don't constantly we we've got this kind of black women can do no wrong madness going on at the moment and we're all excellent and we're all amazing and blah 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 but I actually my mother who I still am in contact with. I love her because that's just the way, that is how it works. But my mum literally was a toxic mum. Like, I, I wish I could tell you something better. I refuse to be pleasant about it. I know that communally, it's like a betrayal. Oh my God, you're saying this about your mother. If I told you some of the stories, you'd be like, ah, okay, I see why you're saying that. It's taken me a long time to just feel that it's not my burden. And I think that there are a lot of people that, have to deal with this in silence so yeah I definitely talk about this and then also I had my child at 40 and the re remember I just said I was with my husband for 22 years why have I not had a child with him because I was so traumatized at the belief that I would be a shit mum because I didn't have any leadership that made me feel confident that I wouldn't just replicate being a bad mother to my daughter that it took a happy accident for me to have my daughter I was very resolute that I'd just be a nice auntie. My mum did scar me on many levels. She herself has been traumatised, and as a grown adult, I do understand why she's that way as well. But I don't think that we talk about bad mothers. Bad, being a bad mother is like insane. Well, oh, if you, if, if I'm, you meet someone you've never met before and you go, oh, yeah, my dad was a dickhead. Everybody's cool, oh, yeah, and they just have a drink and carry on. You say, no, my mum's a dickhead or whatever. And everyone's like... You can't say that. And it's really quite difficult when you have a mother that might be beating you, berating you, all kinds of madness that maybe those of you that are watching didn't have that. Maybe you just had a few problems. There are people like myself who dealt with a lot of shit from my mum. As I said, my mum did the best she could. And honestly, I think a lot of our generation, my mum's nearly 80 now, she probably would have been better off doing therapy. She probably had some post-traumatic madness from her very troubled life her husband my dad died when I was four and left my mum with three children in this country there's a whole I'm not pretending that she didn't have traumas but I, I didn't ask for them and I've had to go through all that and yeah to answer your question I'm very vocal about that and that's funny is I, I follow a lot of adoptee 
foster care sort of groups on that basis because they're more honest about those things. I follow Dr. Stacey Payton, who's amazing for just talking about how to treat children and all the problems of, of toxic parenting. And actually, I should throw in as a shameless plug, I've been able to, with the Palms, create a Afro hair care um, package for foster children that we're starting um, in a few weeks time. So yeah, like I'm very passionate about those things. Yeah. And I think more people should talk about it to get past it. And I'm very anti-hitting children. So if you ever want to have that debate, come at me because I know in this community, our community, there's this gray area and I'm literally zero tolerance about it. Very zero tolerant. That's also, is it my turn now? It is, it is. I was just reacting. Yeah, that is like super, super insightful. And I would like to go deeper with that. But I actually do want to ask you about, because of all of this that you deal with and your the service that you do for the Black community and all the work that you do, what do you actually do to relax? How do you chill? How do you reset? What is it that you do to be still? It's so weird. I think being a lover of music has helped me with that because I get to go out to really nice gigs and stuff. I'm not always out to network or whatever. And I because I've been working for myself for a long time, I'm not one, I'm not really rigidly on a nine to five. So whilst Mans is running around on a Monday, I tend to do a lot of my emails on a Sunday and then I have a big line all Monday mainly or I find different places to get my rest and I have learned to switch off a bit more. But to be quite frank, I wouldn't say I'm a workaholic, but I think this is like a lifestyle and I have a level of a manic energy in me. Like just to throw in, I don't, again, overshare, but I've been in sections when I was very young and I recognised looking back that a lot of my behaviour was because I was suppressed on doing so much. So people go, oh my God, you do so much. And I've never actually leave me to do the much because that's where I'm balanced <laughs> there are people that need to be do, juggling things to feel complete I honestly think that there is something in that without it being too crazy though you know yeah. like do get your rest but I've got a lot of ideas constantly and I'm in a place where I'm actually able to realize them and I'm really really thankful and I think that there's a lot of young black people that have fallen into mental health crisis because they um, reach a glass they hemorrhage on a glass ceiling very early because of the system they live in and they're frustrated and then they get into this term if they're white kids they are somebody they're middle class they get some options to be able to develop whatever it is they're trying to get into but for our kids I think amongst all the PTSDs that we've got as a community I think that very if you think about it, if you all there's always a moment in your teenage life where you realize that oh that message about you can be anything you want and you can do this that wasn't actually for me was it you lot there's that moment where we all recognize it and mm. but not, and not everybody can take that well to answer your question I think that some people are very multifaceted and and need to have a many hats approach to life to to be fulfilled speaking of those many hats you're a style icon as well you got style you got fashion yeah and you didn't mention that you were a model yes Lady, we did, we did, we don't deep. How did your modeling days inform or shape your identity, especially because you have been, you are a person who's been on a journey of self-evolution, survival, and, but I, and I can imagine being, in a, being a model in an industry that's so superficial and stressful. How did your modeling, modeling days inform you? 
new identity and also a bit about your look your natural hair and all those type of things what so I hated modeling I basically (laughs) I did it because this is very common for dark-skinned black girls there's light trying to give me like a little bit of brownness I don't know but but on a serious note, it's I when I was a kid, I was, you know, copiously bullied and teased for my normal Afrocentric looks that every other person in Ghana looks like or whatever. But that I wasn't living there, so it didn't matter. So I had big self-esteem issues. I additionally had self-esteem issues because my mother was a terrible mother at the time and she was bleaching her skin. You're getting this message that your natural optic, I look more like my father is a terrible thing. I I came from that lineage of, oh, why don't you do something to your hair? Why don't you redden your skin? So it was a madness. And then you go out and then you're more, no offense to my Caribbean, it was just the time and the area I lived in, but it was like there was a lot of anti-African nonsense going on. So it was quite difficult. And then you've got white racism, I'm black, this and that. When I got out of, when when I, well, basically I moved to Ghana and it was a blessing to be honest. I would be, and then I, when I I start I got modeling there because people kept saying oh you should model so I did that and then weirdly the first thing I ever modeled on was a African the clothes show do you remember that show the clothes show that was on the BBC so random yeah and it was held in in I think it was held in the golden tulip actually and madness and then I yeah so I did that and then every now and then people would just ask me to do stuff or I would be there dummy model for clothing and stuff and I think I did it because I needed to have some self-esteem issues so it was a deliberate ploy to feel confident and it didn't work (laughs) I just know how to pretend that I like my look does that make sense so I'm not trying to make throw out pity or poor me but I just know how to now calmly if you say oh Cindy you look really nice I'll go thank you but it's all very constructive and I will do it but in my heart it ain't there it ain't there so I didn't really like modeling I came back to London I did more modeling and then I started to choose who I would model for rather than just try to be a model so yeah that that's my experience I did it for self-esteem issues 1000% can I quickly ask who are your who or what are your style muses so many people and that's sincerely every time if you know me when I meet you do I not try to steal one of your things you are wearing or whatever that's <laughs> it I've taken my style for everyone because I love us so I'm always looking at other black folk and being oh, those that's banging I, I like that I don't really I don't read fashion magazines I don't do any of that so it's very difficult for me to say like when I was much younger I remember there was those magazines just 17 and all that you'd look and they'd be like oh this is fashion but do you guys do that? Do you actually go to the fashion pages? Do you buy Vogue magazines genuinely and be like, yeah, I'm reading this? Because I don't. I like looking at fashion and then I get inspired by fashions out there. But one thing for me is that trends are fun trends because I'll wear something from whenever I want to wear it. If I like, I very much move on. If I like it, I'll buy it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm the same. I like what I like and that's that. Yeah. I can appreciate certain things if I've seen it, but I like what I like and I know what suits me. Yeah, that. Yeah. I love fashion, though. I do love fashion. Yeah, I used to be more... Sorry, Auntie No, I was just saying, I, I used to be definitely more experimental, and I definitely looked... I definitely had every co- uh, copy of Vogue 
when it first came out, like for maybe about two or three years. And I just loved it. I just, I just loved everything about it and the size and all that kind of stuff. I just thought it was like really innovative and being like just have that happening in our moment. And then also being really influenced by Sex in the City and stuff and things like that. And just like the... And then also being in Brixton, I was really influenced by Yardi culture. Do you know what I mean? So just having all of those different... And then my stepmom sewed as well kind of thing. So like just wanting to create and transform myself with clothing and my look and all that kind of stuff like I could just do it every weekend and be someone different do you know what I mean I really like that idea amazing. I don't think I've ever actually purchased a Vogue before at all whenever I picked up a magazine it would be like styling and I'd probably get it from like a modeling agency and borrow I've never been that way inclined even as a stylist but for me, I think the biggest influence was like they inspired so much of my life. Because I was probably about eight or nine when they were at their biggest. But because it was Camden and my sister was so influenced by them as well, it was like that ethos of a shop, fashion, music, selling was just like the biggest. If I could, yeah, they are like hugely just streetwear and doing what you want to do and making anything. I love that. But high fashion to me, uh, it doesn't even factor. I'm always a bit like, oh, okay. Do you know what? I would definitely, like, when I think about it, I would be, if I had money, like stupid money, I would be one of these people that would be like, oh, I like that I like that outfit at Issey Miyake because I like simple cups and stuff. Yeah. And I would just buy three or four of them for my season. And so you'd be seeing me wearing the same garment all the time. <laughs> But you wouldn't realise that I have four or five of them. I'm a yes. bit like that. Like I am a sort of I'll buy two trainers that I like the same because I want to not. I do things like that. But yeah, I'm not really big fashionista. But I do like your clothes, Nana, Auntie Nana. And you feel free to send me some. some yeah. Clothes. And you saying soul to soul makes so much sense to you, Nana. I, I don't think you've, you've ever said that out loud before. And I just know even more. Oh, now, now, you, now you get where I... Yeah. And I love it too. It's Yeah, I love it too. It's part of the aesthetic. But yeah, go on. Um, Auntie Every Farah. time someone says soul to soul, I just remember the video with the girl in the lycra leggings and the big... When people have questioned me, I'd have to find the video, screenshot it and send it to them because you, you couldn't miss it. Okay. <laughs> go back and watch it. Anywho. Oh. So you have said that you're a woman who wears lots of many different hats. You've reeled through the vast amount of things that you're currently doing that you've done throughout your life. Like you need to write a book, by the way, so I can read it. I think it would be super interesting. And actually I'd learn a lot from it as well. So just saying, I gave you the idea, 10%, thanks. Um, <laughs> but, um, I suppose I'm gonna say, what would be your end goal? I don't think that you would really have one end goal because you've already said that you, you like to stay busy and you've got like lots of different ideas, but if there was an end goal, and something that would make you be like, okay, I've done it now, I've achieved it. What do you think it would look like? And that's a really good question because like you quite you quite really hit on. There's so many great things that I think we've all probably got the same thing. Oh, even that idea we were just talking about, that TripAdvisor thing that's just made me go, oh my God, how can we just put that down? It's crazy. But I think 
for me, I think I want to relocate. I don't want to live here forever. That's really important. I, I, the sun really helps me um, function. But I, I think I would, uh, it would be an idyllic life of still working very much in London and stuff, but just not being here. And that, again, it sounds really quite sedate, but I, I genuinely mean that. I don't really have anything where I'm like, I need to achieve this thing. I would just like to be continually passing the baton on and be able to pay my rent comfortably and know that my kids will be all right when I'm gone. Honestly, I'm, I wish I could think of something a bit more, but I can't because no, I don't think about that. That's a brilliant one. So this is now we move on to the quick fire round. These are quick answers, please. And we're going to get into your deep business. It's when, you know, when the aunties circle you at the family party and we just say, hey, 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 getting into mm. your business. Mm. Let's go. You, are, you said you're married. How do you make it work? Because obviously Kevin Samuel said that you need a leader and the man has to lead, but you look like a very problematic black woman that can't be led. So how do you make your relationship work? How come your man's not the leader or is he the leader? Is it all a front? What's going on? What's going on in your relationship? He's a front man. No, I mean, he's, I'm just a beard. No, I'm on a joke. You know? I think, yeah, with Chris, he's a very calm human i sometimes wonder why is with me but we work together we have done for most of the time what makes it work because we don't try to we don't try to go to a kevin samuels guru and try to talk about relationships i find it really odd when i read people talking about relationships i find it really odd and i find that often the people that do that the most never have very long-term relationships so that's also like uh, how would you know there's one dude on a particular group which some of you are in and he's always talking about how marriage is the great thing. And one day I just said, are you married? And he was like, I'm going to be. And I thought, wow, you've got so much to say about something that you've not even done. So strange. So yeah, I think both Chris and I were considered outliers as young people. We weren't considered the cool kids or anything, and we really relate. And so our relationship is also not very cool, actually. It's however we decide to work. He's always been very accommodating of my... He met me out raving, in it, Like... He met me out and this idea that we would change because we became a couple, it's not going to, we've, we've never believed in that. I think being together is about enhancing each other, not completing each other, that nonsense. I don't agree with that kind of mindset, to be honest. So you don't believe a man should lead a woman? <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you know what, do you know what, can I just say, I am quite old fashioned and I think there are some things where it's like, there are levels of manhood that I do agree with. I sometimes, towards, for example, I do think that a lot of people today are not willing to, I think the word I will bring is probably compromise with each other. And I know a lot of people find that really offensive. And I'm like, sometimes it's a give and take. Like, what is so big a deal about weighing it up and being, do you know what? You can have that today. Don't worry. It's okay. I'm not necessarily in love with that, but you have it on this occasion and I don't think that's enough of that with people's ideals of relationships when reading about these things on the internet everything's a bit like if he hasn't done this and she hasn't done that then I'm out and I find that really strange yeah it's not realistic I'm with you every successful relationship I've seen there's been levels of compromise in it you have yeah. to compromise. you just don't get you compromise with your friends as well isn't it yes but oh you know, you know you wanted to go and eat in McDonald's while the rest of us wanted to eat some nice food. Sometimes we'll be like, child, let's just let Far Auntie Farrah, let's just go and have a burger. Yeah, it's been 19 <laughs> minutes. She's hungry. 
Um, so you have a lovely daughter. You've mentioned that. What has she highlighted about you and your husband? What could you see in her that's definitely you or your husband? So definitely she's just an amalgamation. You know them kids that literally, she's just got my body in his head. It's a strange thing to see. But no, she's definitely... Yeah, I see her adopt many things. She's calmer, so she's more like her dad in many respects. She's quite reserved and thoughtful, but she's definitely got an opinion from me. She she's already she doesn't believe anything I say, only what her teacher says. She's very much and I'm like, well, I've raised someone to challenge, isn't it? So I accept that. What can I say? It is what it is. But she's actually, you know, I always say this. Um, people always think it, it's a bit of a, a, a funny thing I'm, I say by it because of my history now. I say, how's your kid? How is she? And I say, do you know what? I really like her. That's what I always say. And that is because my experience is not everyone likes their children. It's deep. So I'm like, you know what? I really actually do like my child. So it's really nice that I've got someone that I really get on with. Cool. I get that. What type of an auntie are you? Are you oh, like lectury? Oh, really? Yeah, my my poor niece who's now thirty. You know, one she was just like auntie. I I dreaded when you found out about what I'd done wrong because I knew you were going to talk and talk, and I would break it all down. I would really just open the belly of the beast about everything to a point where she just didn't want to hear it anymore. And that was enough to scare her into not doing the same thing again. Because I would, I, I can't give you an experience, you know, it could be a simple, let's just say it was like, oh, I've eaten a, a donut with too much sugar and my parents told me not to. I'll go into what sugar does, the plantate. I'll just go into some madness. <laughs> but yeah. And I'm looking forward to being a very old woman with, a, I want a, a stick and I want to wave it at school children. <laughs> you know, that's the sort of auntie I am. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> so, Cindy, you shared a lot with us, but can you tell us like a secret, something that you haven't told your mum or dad, something that you would, you know, share with your bestie? What can you share with us? A secret? Oh, my gosh. That's the problem. I love chat too much. What is that? <laughs> no, I'm going to think on that. If there's another question, I'll, I'm going to think on that because I've just... I can't think right now. I feel like that's a stylish way to not reveal your secrets to your aunties. I've surrounded you and tell us your secrets. That's a very stylish out. Come, we'll come. Do you know what? Do you know what? It's not really a secret because it always gets out of the bag. I have a thing about secretly, but I've got a bit of a trainer fetish in it. So sometimes, you know, Chris and I will agree to like, you know, budget properly for that month. But mm. I will see a pair of trainers or something. <laughs> I've even got one in the basket in shoe at the moment. And yeah. I'm convincing myself that I must press play. And what would happen, this is what I will usually do. I will, he's, he's in there, so I don't know if he can hear me. But then I would buy it and then I will hide it in the house for a while. <laughs> and then it would be revealed later. And he'd be like, oh, where'd you get them from? And I'll, oh, don't. It would be so long ago that he wouldn't realize that I bought it at the time we weren't supposed to be buying stuff but so that's that's one thing that I do yeah now redeem yourself make us proud tell us just tell us something that really that you're proud of that's just you know what Miss Cindy pat myself on the damn back because I did the damn thing it just made you proud 
Hmm. Lots of things. That's why I say I was content because I'm just in a really good place at the moment where I'm able to like deliver a lot of events and things that I really want to do. So yeah, I'm proud about the fact that I'm doing it on the terms I want to because when I, we've all been there, but when I used to have nine to fives, as well as always DJing and stuff, I used to compromise. I used to do things where I wouldn't speak up about certain things. I just felt a little bit dirty about it. I remember I used to do a gig in Mayfair and I got, I used to get really good pay, but the crowd was so horrendous, so horrible. I always ended up spending my money in stupid ways because I hated myself for doing this gig. So yeah, I'm now in a place where the gigs that I do and the things that I do, I'm really happy to do them. And that I'm proud about being able to have created that for myself because I know that so many of us are not in that position. I see it as a real privilege. I know I've worked at it and I've had knockbacks from it, but that's probably something that I'm very proud of. Cool. cool. What's a family saying that you heard growing up, or it doesn't have to be a saying, could also be like a, hob- a habit that your family um, had when you were growing up that you either hold very dear or you wholeheartedly reject? <laughs> Two, I could think of, I could think of so many silly ones. My mum, I remember once I overheard my mum with my sister, we were too young to understand, she was talking to a friend on the phone. And she said, my mum said, if you, if you pull, if you pull your knickers down in a hurry, we'll pull them up in a hurry. And we didn't, that just, that's just a running joke for me and my sister. Like it's random, but it's a funny thing that me and my sister still say to each other because it's hilarious. And now we get it. Like she was talking about some hoey friend or whatever, but we did, ooh, she said knickers. But on a more serious note, I think one of my favourite <laughs> Ghanaian ones on lots of the buses in Ghana, which are called trotros for anybody that doesn't know, and one of my favourite ones that I say is, let them, love it, just that, let them, it, it just carry, it just has so much weight for so many things and it just summarises, you know them ones, someone will just, let them, let them, it's okay, that's it. Can I just I'll go back to the knickers down thing? I don't get it, it's gone over my head a bit. So my mum, yeah, so my mum, I, obviously I know my mum, so I think what she was referring to was that, she quickly ran after her some friend of theirs ran after some man or whatever and she was quick to hoe herself out there in it and so she took her knickers off in a hurry then my man burnt her up or whatever and then yeah it's like shame so that's where I think it came. that's the sort of thing my mum would have said anyway so yeah so yeah it's quite a good little saying don't take your knickers off in a hurry people just saying my auntie Mary she's got one and she says Mouth open, words fly out. <laughs> Sometimes people just chat in it. Yeah, just chat in. I get that one. We have in Ghana we said, ah, this person, they talk by hearts. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So can you will you let us solve your problems or do you want some unsolicited tea advice? I want some unsolicited auntie advice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that a bad move? Don't know. I don't know. We remix this because we were like, when we don't have advice, we haven't we haven't planned the advice. So I don't know if anyone has some unsolicited advice for Auntie Cindy. You've been told to write a book. That, that was just by the way, you have to write a book for Auntie Charlotte. You, you, you do, you do. By fours. I think that you should let your husband lead you. So that's <laughs> <laughs> Is there a troll? 
I I would really like, I know you're super busy, but I would love to have you doing a podcast. I would really like to follow you, even if it was like a bi-weekly type of thing or some type of show that you actually did on Facebook or something. But I just think when I go to your page, and I probably only go onto Facebook to go onto your page and read the thread that you've started. I actually think, yeah, that would just make such a great podcast. So I would, that would be the only thing. Yeah, please just do a podcast or some type of rolling media involvement because I think you've got such brilliant ideas and great opinions and lots of stuff I don't agree with. Most things I, I agree with, but I just like the challenge because you're always up for let's discuss it. I would like you to write a book, mm-hmm. but I'd also like you to get your record collection and do like a night. You just yeah. go through your record collection and you talk about the history. You you said a lot of things here. I'm like, yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. And I'd like you to talk about the music and the history of where it comes from and all that sort of stuff through your record collection. I'd, I'd come to that. That's a good one. You put that bad boy in Eventbrite, I'd, I'd buy a ticket. Interestingly, I'm starting a radio show with Chris at Soho Radio. And we will be, we do talk about the music and so forth. So I follow you guys. More, more. I love it. I love it. Okay. 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 Thank you so much, Auntie Cindy, for letting us get into your business. Um, I do think I need a closing track for this section. I'll work on it. Don't frown us. An additional piece of, I guess, unsolicited advice. Red Border says, I want her to start the trust pilot idea. I like that idea so much. I'm going to do because I know a few people in tech because sometimes we think it's so difficult. There was a friend, I don't know how much time we've got, so cut me off if you haven't, but when the Black Lives Matter version two came about and all of those people started to work, you know, have the black square, a friend of mine and a couple of people, they created a bot, a Twitter bot, which connected to all the companies that said, yeah, we're going to change our directive. And then yes. every 30 days would say, what have you done? What have you done? It was just yes. an automatic. Yes, excellent. So I think there's something in setting something up that we don't have to manage, but we can actually contribute to. So I think there's probably a way to do it if you speak to the right nerds. Yeah, let's go. This I in. love that. I love that idea. I want it. Let's go. All right, let's get into Sad, Mad, Glad. What's made you sad, mad and glad this week, Auntie Cindy? I'm a bit late, but what's made me sad is the Kendrick Lamar album. I think it's a great album, but I'm sad about the fact that there's not enough good hip hop for it to be heralded so genius. It's it's an averagely great, good album. It's not that brilliant, but the way that people are gushing about it is because there's an absence of great hip hop. So that's what I'm sad about. I think it's a good album, but you know, I'm, I was in the golden era, isn't it? And I had so much choice so big up Kendrick, but can we have some more of that, please, from many more artists? Um, in terms of what's made me mad, there was a story about a senator in Louisiana who basically said that he doesn't think that the high levels of maternal mortality um, in his state is that much of a problem because if that's it's only because black women are a high number. So he was literally saying, look, it wouldn't be a problem if black women weren't added to this count. So obviously he's been dragged on Twitter. I think his name's Bill, I can't remember his surname, but if you go on to Twitter, you'll find out about it. Mad because this is a, a senator. He was also a doctor. So can you imagine he was treating 
some of those people. And Louisiana is the uh, 47th worst state for maternal mortality with a third of the population being African-American. So you do the math, it's like, how disgusting is it that he said that? In terms of being glad, I'm just glad that it's British weird wet summer. I'm so bored of the darkness and what never, and I'm just happy to see a bit more sun. That's it really, I haven't got anything. I've always got things to be mad about. Another thing that I was mad about was this stupid report today talking about institution, like the police force, now they're going to be taught black British history to help them work out, you know, how to deal with us more. And I'm like, what? what's going to happen? They're going to talk about something like slavery, which has nothing to do with you stopping and searching a little young brother. So it's irritating because who's leading this? Who is leading this? Why? And, and, and who's come up with this idea? It's the usual thing that the wrong people are leading these opportunities to actually do some right in those systems if you even believe in the police force but it's like why would it be important to teach black history it's better you teach about the community you police in not bloody oh i'll now know what who malcolm x was but i'm stopping and searching in battersea it's just done the whole thing is done with my taser yeah I answer for, oh, it's my turn, sorry. Thank you. And so what made me sad was definitely the young boy in Wales losing his finger and and much love and power to him and his mum. Mad, my bath is leaking and the councilman came round today. Luckily they did come round to the date and time that they said they would. However, they've exposed that the work that councils do, which is so shoddy, it, it just exposed that because there's, he said that the the plumber said that they're where there was supposed to be tiling and plastering. There has not been. And they've just put tiles on straight onto the wall or whatever the case is without doing a full job. And he was saying, I wish I was recording him. He was saying that in his all his years of being a proud plumber and proud tradesman, he wouldn't even tell his kids to get into the industry again because it's just so dire. And he said in his time of working for the council, he has never seen such disarray. It's heartbreaking to him. As, and he's just like, I can't believe what I'm seeing. And I've never been so distressed in my life, like in seeing all these things. And he did, he, he went a bit above and beyond. It's the luck of a draw. You don't know who's going to go above and beyond on each visit. You'll get a job's worth, you'll get a lazy person, and you'll get someone who really wants to do their best. So let's see what happens and how long it takes for the whole thing. Because he said, really, you need a whole new bath. I'm not going to get that. So a bit mad about that. And I don't think we talked about it last week. It's a little bit old news, but Pretty Patel, our favourite, has um, relaxed the stop and search laws. I say the puppet, I should say the puppet has relaxed stop and search laws in the UK. So now they can go, please can stop and search at ease. And we'll see what happens anyway. And glad- If they I feel like there's a chance of danger and it's, if they feel like it, well, and they, and they, they could always fucking say they feel yeah, like it. They always see danger when they see, especially um, black boys, regardless of their age, specifically black people and i'm glad because i went to Cannes. it was an impromptu last minute uh, trip Cannes film festival is still on now i went from thursday to came back early hours this morning so I'm a little bit tired but it was a fantastic experience needed experience i learned a lot on in that space had some great fun went to some interesting parties but that wasn't the part of it it was the networking the business and prospects to be made it was wonderful and had a really good time so that was my class auntie farah 
Okay, so I'm sad about the report of the 14-year-old girl who was forced to strip search in the presence of male officers whilst on her period. Once again, we have another case of this. This happened last December. Um, sorry, sorry, this happened in December 2020. Um, her mother said that she was traumatised, dehumanised and violated. And as a result, she later attempted suicide. They even tried to take her to court because she had a blade on her and they didn't understand that the, the small blade that she had on her was because she was actually going through some things and she was um, self-harming. Just also to add, this girl is like autistic. So fucking totally sad and infuriated and mad that this has happened again and that they've, they've probably covered it up because why are we only hearing about it now? It's 2022. Literally about to ask that because it was a few months after how come yeah. we're hearing about these 2020 incidences now? Yeah, what's going to come out next year or the year after that, that we don't know. So, yeah, it's, it's, I'm just disgusted at that. Mad at Alec Baldwin because there was an incident with a former NFL player called Brendan Langley in an airport. And he was at the airport and he had an altercation with the member of the staff. Now, if you watch the video, I don't, maybe they were having an argument. I don't know. But the member of staff came from behind his counter and, and like went for the NFL player. Now, the mm. NFL player then defended himself and then he got nicked and all the rest of it, yeah? But Alec Baldwin came out and was like, the, the, the guy's gone to work to be safe and it's the NFL player's fault. Sorry? Sorry? Why are you Alec, I bet yes. you sit down and shut the fuck up right now. There's time to talk and there's time not to talk. And it's not your time. I don't think he could have seen the video because I've seen that video. Do you know what I'm trying to say? How did he... I, I don't understand how you could see the video. comes out, he fronts the guy yeah. and he, he slaps the guy. That's what he yeah. does. And, then the, he and does. then the guy just tumps him one, two times. That's yeah, it. He, the matter, isn't it. he just beats him up. He's just out with the you're out of your, You were out of your league. You got tump up. Such is life. Yeah. Also, there was no need because honestly, when you're, you know what it's like if you've worked in some position of authority or customer service, you're the uniform, you've got security, you yeah. don't need to do that because yeah. you've got all that backup. So for him to think it was all right to slap, he should be sacked immediately. Yeah, exactly. But the NFL players facing charges. But anyway, I was just angered at whether or not you think it's wrong or right what happened, the altercation. It was the fact that Alec Baldwin felt the need to go on Twitter and chat about it. It's like, Alec, come on now. Just go and mind your wife and your seventh baby that's coming on the ne in a minute. Like, that's what you need to do. Sit down, relax, be quiet right now. Because your case is still being investigated. Be quiet right now about safety at work, bruv. Is he what? Is he racist? Because weren't he the one that was talking about traumatization after Will Smith slapped Chris? I swear he yeah, he, well. he also then was like, "Oh, Chris, I love you" or some shit like that. So I don't know. I don't know. I just know he. Do we ever know? Exactly. This is he's married to the woman that is pretending to be Spanish, and she's not. Let's not forget Hillary. Oh, yeah. Hillary. Hillary. <laughs> I forgot about Hillary. Hillary. Hilaria, Hilaria, Hilaria. Hilaria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. He needs to be locked up though. But so, yeah. anywho, that made me mad. And my glad is that Auntie AK went to Cannes and I was jealous, but I was very happy for her. And I'll be happy for all the money that she's going to make us and uh, 
the yacht parties that we're going to be on next year. Offs. Yeah, you do your thing, boo-boo. <laughs> I was happy about that. Um, I'm also happy that it's my birthday on Friday. It's my birthday. It's my what's, birthday. What's your star yes. sign before we celebrate? Gemini. Oh, Gemini. I like to I get you. Bite no, it, no. Bite it, slap it, bite it, slap it. Remember that. Wow, yeah, wow. I, was I really was liking you, Auntie Farrell. Like, you still need to like me because me and Auntie Farrell are different. You're outnumbered right now. No way. Yeah. Okay. Right. It's been real. <laughs> 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 um, like, I'm an Aquarius. Uh, oh, we get on though. Don't be mad. One of my best friends is an Aquarius. Okay. He's a yeah. moany bastard. Oh, no, no, there's something about being a Gemini though. As much as like, it's like we were infamous. So I don't actually mind that people have something to say about Gemini's because at least we're remembered. Snap. I mean, you could say Snap. Some of the best people are Gemini's. Like for, the, for the, all this week, what I'm doing is posting about how great it is to be a Gemini. And Kanye's <laughs> back. Kanye's back on the street. Kanye's back online. My G. Because this is birthday <laughs> coming up. I just say no, that's a good thing, but I can. Oh, yeah, wait. Also, my other dad <laughs> and fellow Gemini, Cusp Taurus, have to throw that in there. It was Biggie's, what would have been his 50th birthday the other day, and I was just glad all the love that he was getting online or musically. And what really made me happy today is in uh, my old Horn Holland Park um, roundabout, there's a massive billboard of him encouraging people to go and listen to his music. In New York, they lit up the Empire State Building it's in an ode to Biggie and all of his, his achievements. And it just makes me happy. Biggie was the first person in hip hop who I was like, I like this shit. <laughs> one day, one day, I would like you guys to cover the kind of weird overlove we have for hip hop and then the problematic nature of the likes of Biggie with their women. Anyway, moving on. I know it's so complicated. I know. And some of the best songs that I like from Biggie are really complicated. I, yeah, you know, I know, I'll be the first to admit that. But so right. yeah, I play his music. Is my favorite rapper of all time. So okay. happy birthday up in the sky, B-I-G-P-O-P-P-A. Auntie Nana. So my sad, I think it really is the young boy losing his finger. I think that's been the saddest thing. But then also Ronald added in that there is actually like loads more people that died in this shooting in Texas as well. That has really made me sad that we're really in a state of like emergency in America with all of these killings. And that's, it's worrying that it's accelerating over there because it wasn't so long ago when that kind of gang problem seemed over the seas and then it's now we have it over here so it really does worry me that this could come over here to some degree so that's made me sad i'm super mad i don't know if you guys saw this i was watching nazanin zagari ratcliffe this is the woman the journalist that was um, imprisoned in iran for five years watching her interview on bbc yesterday and finding out, I did not know this, maybe this was common knowledge, that the British government actually owed Iran 400 million for a series of tanks that they were supposed to send over to them and they never did in 1979. And this was why to our knowledge, it's five people 
have been imprisoned while they're trying to get this money out of the British government. And they finally did pay them this and only two people were released. She came back with another woman and they basically were like lying to everybody for years, like being like, a, we don't know why they're, they're keeping hostages. And where she was in Iran, they were telling her, it's because your government owe us money and we need you here until they pay and then we can then you then you'll be free but it was just i was getting more and more infuriated at the five years of her life and that she had a baby and they knew all of this and boris johnson remember they actually doubled down on keeping her when boris johnson said that she was in iran teaching journalists like and she wasn't she was there on holiday and he actually made it worse for her and it was just like a series of calamities that Boris Johnson was involved in that just felt, no, you were using her as like a sacrificial lamb. Like you probably wasn't going to admit anything, but because of her white husband and her colleagues really fighting you on this, you had to come back and say, I got it wrong. She wasn't teaching and were in negotiations with Iran. But yeah, it just, again, solidified what I think of the government and how they're the most disgusting, corrupt people ever. And we don't need to be voting in any of these people. Like, they all need to go. That really pissed me off. And I'm super glad it was Yona Odoom's birthday, her 40th surprise birthday. She's one of my son's godmothers. And it was just lovely. And I, when we were getting ready to get ready for the surprise, I really needed to go to the toilet. So I thought, I know Yona, she's going to be late. Like, she's not in the car park. So I went to the toilet and I also didn't think it's a group of black people. They're not really going to assemble properly by the time I go to the toilet and come back. But they did. And they all assembled and had their cameras up and recording. And I opened the curtain and everybody thought it was Yona and they <laughs> thought it was me. And I walked into a huge sigh and laughter. And then I had to stand at the back and wait for you. <laughs> but where you just diss black people in, in that whole conversation? <laughs> Come on, there was like layers. You're getting a room full of black people to move to one side. Nobody's doing that right away. They were just eating and stuff a second ago. What surprises have you been to? I've been to organised surprises. I didn't think it was going to be that fast. I thought I had time to do a wee and I could get back in. But that, yeah, that's, that's, when I was tagged in various people being like tagging me like and Nana came in with her false start and yeah it was highly embarrassing but you know there we go. Shade, what's made you sad mad and glad this week? So I would say the same as far in terms of sad and mad the autistic girl that was strip searched and they actually cut her knickers off which is disgusting but yeah it's a lot it's, a, it's just a lot it's just really just like a lot so yeah, that's, I hope they get justice in this one. I really do. And then I say my glad is I just had a bit of me time over the weekend. Got my nails done, went for a nice walk. I was actually supposed to go to a couple parties, but I chose like not to and just chill and stuff. And it was just really refreshing after these last couple of weeks that have been insane. And also I was on a podcast called Meet Me, Meet Us After Seven with just Jean and Yusuf, big man, yes. And uh, Yusuf wasn't there, but Justine had some 
other girlies instead and we turned the man cave into a girly cave and we just had a really cool conversation and that's live on there spotify and apple and stuff so you can have a listen and see how that went but yeah it was good it was fun is it on youtube as well i think it goes up either today or tomorrow the visuals i think okay yeah that'll be done well done all right all right thank you very much and now auntie cindy please give us your unpopular opinion or your what's on your hit list or don't piss me off i don't know which one you've chosen oh I forgot about this question, but I'm always got an unpopular opinion. I'm actually going to repeat something that's easy that I shared not that long ago. It's quite, it's an old story. I mean, we know that lover, Riri, she's had a baby. It's all lovely, happy, glad for her. But I'm also like, but a lot of women are like, yeah, Riri, amazing, fantastic. And then they're like, oh, Rocky. And they're conversely not happy with him because... Rocky's not shown him to be the bright himself to be the brightest of the bunch when it's come to many of the things that have fallen out of his mouth, as Auntie Shade's auntie would say, just talking by hearts. And so my unpopular opinion is that, but Riri has chosen to be with this guy. So why hasn't she getting the same? No, 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 we're happy for her baby, but why is it that our black female community are so supportive? of Riri but are equally finding making Rocky to be this weird victim and aren't they a union that have come together and had a kid together and why have we got this cognitive dissonance for crappy choice men as women not just black women why are we sitting there pretending that Riri hasn't any level of accountability to choosing that ashy fall I'm just asking why do we never want to really so I like Riri as a brand I don't think she's a great singer or musician but I find it really rich that we can never be held accountable it's oh girl power black woman excellence and all this and this but look who she's chosen look what nonsense comes out of his mouth are we are why are we so why do we ignore that is my unpopular opinion interesting i i i love that one oh my <laughs> gosh whoa the layers of it i'd never even thought about it <laughs> that's quite interesting but i mean yes. she's not her her optic favors the most desirable in the laziest fetish mindset of our community right we know you, you look like riri you are not short of sutez yeah and she's in billionaire circles so she's meeting the Kevin Samuels, high value men, all that. She's got all that. But she's chosen to be with Rocky. We know why. She's from the ends herself. She probably vibes with him. We get all that. But my point is that he has proven himself to be colorist. He has proven himself to be very strangely not connected to, you know, all, all lives matter was one of the things he said when he was asked about that. There's a whole list of things that he said over the course of his career that are that show you he's a bit low vibrational to say the least. He's a very attractive guy, we love his cheekbones, but outside of that, really? Now they've got a kid together, my issue is that if things don't go well for them, I reckon that the black female community, who I love, will be hit, will still be blinded and say, it's all his fault. It's like, but really you chose this Ashy Vega. That's my issue. So talk to me people. 
Oh. Yeah. Auntie Sade, she's just like, no, Ooh. I'm probably opinion. We tend to let you say what you're saying and leave. Yeah, I'm okay. like, I, I, I actually don't think that I think that people know that she's made a bad decision. I don't think, I think they're just like, they, it might not necessarily affect her that much. Do you know what I mean? Could have been anyone, to be honest. And it's about Rihanna's decision. Okay having her child and her thing do you know what I mean like yeah, she, if, it, if it was the other way around and I hate doing that I some bad I know it's what a battery but I think it's relevant black yeah. women would be all over the black guy choosing some dumb woman that's carrying on saying all kinds of random whatless stuff we would definitely not be as forgiving so I'm saying that we have this kind of black women do no wrong which I touched on earlier no I don't um, mindset that isn't always healthy because They've just brought in a child with that band in the back. But it's Rihanna. Like, and this is like this is she is like an anomaly when it comes to like celebrities because she feels like for us, like UK, she feels like she could literally be one of us. She could have gone to our school, she could have gone to our college, she could have like it just I think she just definitely has like a special place in people's like mindset of she can do almost whatever. My problem. I think that's the massive problem because my thing is that I have no respect for sisters that indulge in colorist men, in men that are that. Actually, I just feel like you're not helping the cause. You're not helping, you're even reproducing madness by doing that. Yeah, I'm not as much of a fan of Riri's. Maybe that's the issue, but I could say the same for Beyonce and Jay Z. I could say Jay Z likes problematic. I, I, I will not forget his, his video. Very funny that you said that because when you were talking about examples, I was going to say unpopular opinion, but you could say the same thing about Jay Z. I'm saying that, I'm saying that these women who yeah. fail and officially they fail because of that. People mm-hmm. literally hate Beyonce because she's with Jay-Z. They call her an idiot. They say her albums are just about her screaming, stop cheating on me. Do you know what I mean? There's a lot, she gets a lot of hate for, for that choice. So I don't yeah, think yeah. that as a Beyonce fan, when you get the criticism, that's literally what people say, honestly. So like, oh, I, no, people no. just- I just think we hold a cognitive dissonance to our women. It's we, or, or just certain people in our community, there's a, we just kind of blind eye we see these like even with the, with the guys you'll see a malcolm x type and then he's only exclusively dating white people but we're not mentioning that there's some and and that person might be problematic we don't really no i don't know, look, I don't know. We, I don't well, we do we do it more with men we do hold them to account i'm saying we don't do it with our women when our women choose ashy problematic dude we have a cog- we hold a cognitive dissonance about the whole thing I'm but not I'm sure. trying to say this. I'm I trying to say this. It's when it's over, like when it's over, what you do get though is people, wow, she made the decision, it's her fault. There's lack of there's a lack of sympathy, there's lack of there's all of that. Do you know what I mean? I think there's a, a definitely a coldness that is arisen if a woman makes a choice that isn't seemed as to be of her of her perceived standing, it is you made that choice. I and think, they're, um, they're not forgiven. That's I think Rihanna can do no wrong. That's why people haven't called her out. I think people are also waiting by the sidelines to see what ASAP Rocky does before they like, uh, I think definitely that you get an, oh, this is what happened. This is the man you chose after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely think I had a bit of, I, I ran, we're not supposed to talk, but I randomly watched um, that Vogue. Was it, was it is Vogue when they did the, the how many questions? And yeah. 
Rihanna and ASAP doing their questions, and I was quite endeared <laughs> by the humanity. It was it was years ago that though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it was quite cute before they even started dating. Yeah. But, um, it was just interesting their vibe, and then seeing them get together, I like that kind of story. But I did think, ah, ASAP because he's been so problematic. I was a bit, and I'm not a huge fan of Rihanna in that Rihanna's brand. She can do no wrong sense. I do love Fenty stuff though, but I was, I don't know, somewhere in the, her getting with ASAP because of who he is, I was a bit like, ah, ASAP. I think this is, this is, she's, she's in the public eye and so therefore, but I see this enough in the community. Like the other day, a friend mentioned that, oh, I used to have a friend and basically she asked, the friend asked, she asked about a guy that they both knew and she just asked about him and this friend who's quite fair had thought that she was interested in me she said oh no there's no point asking about him babe he doesn't like dark-skinned women and I was like how is she your friend I'm just trying to put in the point why would you be around people that are low vibrational like that like for me Riri must yeah. have a level of being low vibrational truth be told if she can be with a man like ASAP Rocky that's what I'm saying and I, I don't know why we're like yeah go girl she's so amazing when the choices and fundamental I think family is so important the fundamental choices of who she's with and yeah I don't doubt for a second that this is I don't believe this is going to be a 30-year relationship quite frankly I'm sorry I'm just throwing it out there yeah but I feel that when the they break thing, up, I will say it will be Rocky's fault it's like you knew what he was about come on now but go on sorry sorry say speak please I'm no sorry. I was gonna say I remember when Jay-Z and Beyonce got together people were like that they yeah. didn't really think that that would last but yeah. you, ne- you just never know but I do feel like why yeah. she's probably attracted to him is what one of you guys said she's almost touchable isn't she Rihanna she's very relatable that some of that's PR but she's very relatable in in the sense of what she does and where she goes and who she hangs around with and probably in her circles he's quite real he's Bayesian she's Bayesian they've got similarities probably there's a lot of realness there and she might not at the, the the height that she's at meet much real people. And that's not to say that he's not problematic. But sometimes, let's be real, us women get swayed by the D. And that's that. I, just- <laughs> I, I, I think touching on what Cindy's saying and from what I know from Sharona, who is also in Barbados at the moment and speaks about, and she her family is dark, and how colorism works there, I think it's more likely that Rihanna would accept his colorist natures and will be like, that's not my problem. And I yeah, think- Yeah, but honest, the point is that a lot of her brand is built on blackity blackness. And that's the other part I want, I, sh- I forgot to throw in. And that's where I'm like, we can see it for exactly what it is. Blackness is- I think modern. she is totally like, Everything around her is is marketing 101. I don't believe that Rihanna, if we knew her, is as nice as it comes across. I don't believe that for a second. I just think that is just purely marketing. Like they just knew that black women were looking for sisterhood and they wanted the girl next door. And she performed that and it's she slotted into that. And I just think Beyonce wasn't up for that. I think that he was and then fell out of alignment with that and Rihanna slotted in. I think it's just a role, it's just an archetype that she fulfills. 
yeah. and you probably it doesn't affect her and i think it doesn't affect a lot of people because even the ones that talk about it there are always counters to what asap said wasn't that bad and red lipstick doesn't suit every dark-skinned woman and not everybody should cut their hair and there were lots of people that are just like no there was nothing wrong with what he said i would i wouldn't be surprised if she was also in real life like what he said wasn't that offensive but, um, no, i was just gonna say like number one i can't speak for any of them do you know what i mean i don't know what they are and stuff but what i do agree with though, cindy is that i do think in our everyday lives we don't call out men who are problematic and they are it's what they do is brushed under the carpet ignored not challenged all the time and even I in my own experience have literally had to cut off male friendships because not necessarily how they treat me but how they treat other women do you know what I mean it's just they would create this kind of like fake bubble oh no you're cool but they can talk about every any other woman anyhow. And I just thought, this is wrong. I can't do this. But what I see time and time again is black women just literally ignoring that of their male friends, their partners, et cetera, kind of thing. I'm not calling out. So I do, in principle, totally understand and agree with what you're saying. But I just don't, I just don't know with that situation. I don't know. They're celebrities. You can say whatever. So I'm just like, I don't, I really don't know. But it's so, that world is so murky. It is just so difficult to look good anyway. So there's always something. So like, I just, that's why I'm just like, ah, I can't even answer. To me, honestly, it just reminds me of, of real life. I think I was around these kind of individuals, these kind of types, the, the archetypal Rocky and the Andalus of the world on the estates in the end. And they all, to be honest, I just think they collude to now they know it's not cool to be openly colorist openly fetish openly enjoying the fetish so now they're just sort of finding ways to feign some level of of, of black political call but really they still about that life that's how i see that's what i think really truly is with them too to be honest that's just i don't think it takes a rocket scientist to see that many people in those relationships have low-key agreed that on the side they they're all right with it they're all right with it that's all there's so much to that there's so much i was going to say on a very basic level that when you're in it and you meet someone and the context of what the person's accused of saying to when they said it how they said it were they high were they not were they in a bad mood were they all these things the levels of what they believe and what they don't and how they navigate society Mm. When you meet the person that fits you, a lot of shit goes out the window. If you're looking for love, needing love, dying for love, whatever. Um, That's what I'm saying. I agree. I agree with what you're saying, but I'm still saying that. So, so I know a couple of the things he said, and I feel, you can see I've got strong bias. But like I say, all right, forget about the red lipstick. Let's just move on from that. You can just look at his dating history and that can tell you its own story. But let's even forget about that. On Ferguson, like I said, he said he's, he doesn't understand that. He lives in LA. He's not really about that life. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when it came to Black Lives Matter, he killed himself to pander to his newfound. Oh, it's not really about that. We've got to get higher than that. When it was about some sort of issues going on in the community regarding criminalization of the black community, he was like, what about black and black crime? This man has form for saying dumb fuckwittery. So for me, I, am not, I like to build a picture. It's like, if it was just one thing, I'd be like, allow it. But no, 
This man has form in showing he's not very smart. That means to me that neither is Riri. That but also, be but, that's, but that's the problem because when we put celebrities on a pedestal, because <laughs> that's what I was going to say, it's the fact that Riri's just an, a famous woman. When you think about celebrity, they're just human beings that have been made mm. famous because either their talent or their business acumen or because yeah. someone, or someone else... smart is. enough to not speak much on politics for you yeah. to not know what her politics are. So if you get taken in by the fact that Rihanna is the most the, the goddess from the sky, then you're going to be like, the fuck? or whatever she does is it just you have to remove that and just look at the person individually for what it is. I like her products, and but I have never bought into that girl next door thing. I don't have I don't know her, or I don't know. Anyway, Auntie Cindy, you're naughty because you made us debate on something that's supposed to be one comment. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Fantastic. We gotta get some comments because lots of people are coming in and basically celebrating you. So let's go. Now okay, right, let me just um no, I'm gonna pick some out. Da, 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 da. Sid's been chatting away, isn't it? All right, Sid, we see you. All right, so I'm gonna go to Auntie. Okay, so um Neodate said, Auntie Cindy, no one is ready for that convo. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good one. Let me go up a little bit further because I know there was a lot more. Sorry, I'm just going over Sid chatting. And Ronald says it's different because Beyonce and Jay-Z are viewed as a power couple. And Ronald is also asking you, Farah, could you post that list of the Black UK terms with translations? Question mark. And Sid says, sounds like Cindy is trying so hard to hold back the real cuss words on the tip of her tongue right now. And also Ronald says, great show, Cindy is incredible. I think we all agree. Yeah. It, sorry, I realized I was on mute. And that's it on that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. We all very much agree. Auntie Cindy, you're a wonderful guest. Thank you for coming Thank on our show. Daddy. Tell us where we can find you and follow you because I feel like people have said want to know everything you're doing and listen to everything you say. Oh God, feel free. Cindy Hanson Ellis online. I think it's I'm on this, but yeah, that or Hanson Fam on Instagram. And yeah, just we do like a debate. We do get people quite have interesting conversations. It is just my personal page, but sometimes it does go into good um dialogue so feel free to follow and as i mentioned don't forget to keep um like comment and subscribe on all our platforms we're on all the social medias and we're on all the popular listening platforms don't forget to write your reviews and your comments and we're on patreon as well don't forget to sign up and pick a tier any tier and go for it and join us next week live at 8 p.m i should think either monday or tuesday i think we're next week monday next week so yes thank you guys this has been your aunties could never good night